The oaths are given. In the name of Malkador the Sigilite, and for the Emperor of Mankind. Execute the mandate! Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Knights Errant Podcast. Uh, today we've got some bad news, some very bad news, but then we've also got some good news. The bad news is, sadly, our bald little friend Wes couldn't be joining us. He's got this thing called a life, and I don't know, I'm not too keen on it myself. So uh, <laughs> he's out there being a good boyfriend to his missus. So, as you can guess, I'm not, because I'm a terrible husband. Uh, the very bad news is, as you can hear, you've got to listen to my beautiful Brummie accent. So, uh, I'm sorry about that. It's the worst accent in the, in the country. But, the good, good news, we've got the man himself, the joy of private education. We've got Pete. Hello, Pete. I don't think homeschooling counts. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so anyway. Yeah. So, hello. Right. Okay. Shall we start? What's new in the hobby? So, we've got some Titanicus models that have come out. Yeah, and the campaign expansion for Moloch. Um, I think that's brilliant, the actual campaign book. So one of my favorite stories is um, Vengeful Spirit um, by Graham McNeil, which firmly puts the Warmaster back into the Horus Heresy. He'd been, for those that read the books, um, you get the initial uh, betrayal in the Istvan system, uh, and then it moves on to all the other stories that need to be told and start the different pathways, etc. Uh, and it's not really until the Vengeful Spirits book by Graham McNeil that the the Warmaster takes central stage again. Uh, I think it's a really good story, and it's all based on um, a little snippet that was written, I think, by Gav Thorpe in White Dwarf 190 back in 1995. And I think that's the first, the second White Dwarf I ever had. I was looking back at these the other day, and the little snippet, because I wrote it down in my notebook, was that um, one of the most horrific betrayals of war occurred on the planet of Moloch. Three Titan legions and over 100 Imperial Army regiments and knight households stood ready to bear the brunt of the War Master's attack. When it came, it was like a hurricane unleashed upon the world, upon the lush world. Horus's initial assault devastated many cities and strongholds. Amongst the victims were Moloch's rulers, House Divine. Dispossessed and unable to fight back, the Divine slowly succumbed to the temptations of chaos. Over the following months, the insidious whisper of Slanish spread through their depleted ranks. When Horus launched a massive offensive, the Knights of House Divine performed an act of total treachery and turned on the troops who remained loyal to the Emperor. This treachery allowed Chaos Host to punch through the Imperial defense, leaving them with no line of retreat. They were totally defeated. That little snippet has obviously, over the years, formed the basis of what became the Moloch storyline uh, and then has become an Adeptus Titanicus campaign book, which gives you rules so that you can fight whole night banners as an army without having to uh, incorporate Titans. And ties in really well, that little bit of background ties in really well 
with the demonic releases that taking place as well this time with the niche so but yeah uh, great campaign book weapon sets have come out for your um warlord titan so you get the quake cannon and the gatlin super gatlin i can't remember what it's called can you remember gatlin gun isn't it super gatlin gun i think is it the uh i'll tell you what it's called because i've got it here uh adeptus titanicus warlord battle titan macro gatling blaster and a quake cannon so what's your thoughts on them well i think they they definitely needed uh new weapons because it's given more options to what uh titanicus players can play because especially when you first was released there weren't you only had the volcano cannon so everyone had to have two volcano cannons and the missiles on top uh have you have you actually played titanicus yet not actually played it mate no oh, i've watched it yeah it's really good I, i've really enjoyed the two games i've played but like i says it's only two games so i'm not uh too fanned up on him but hmm. the games i've watched and i've played him myself it, it's a really nice rule set how it's done uh, you really have to watch your reactor that I love that the reactor things uh, settings make, make an extra dynamic dynamics to the game it's really good it's really thought out game I love the idea so, yeah it looks every time I've watched a game I, I really like the look of it yeah I mean the the new guns are a little bit on the high side I, it is only one gun you get with when you pay for them? Yeah, it, so, uh, so looking at is the... Is it resin or is it plastic? Is it, is I think they're resin. So they're both temporary out of stock, both of them, on the Forge World website um, as of the time of recording this show. Uh, let's just open up one and I'll tell you what it says. So they are resin kit, five components. Mm. So... I don't know if they still do it. They used to kind of price the resin kits of weight as well, didn't they? So, the, mm. you know, and, but when you consider how, I wouldn't say it's any bigger than, uh, you know, if you order, say, 10 flamers or something like that, uh, or full kites, I mean, they're only 11 quid. So, yeah, the, I'm just having a, I think it's a few pounds too. Oh, I think twelve quid would have been all right, but fourteen's a little bit on the high side. But let's face facts: we're all going paid. <laughs> it's a sad fact of it. Yeah. So if you think about it, it's what it's a little bit bigger than a contempt of dreadnought weapon. Oh, is it? Okay then. So yeah, because yeah, that, that's that's about right. Then it's a little bit. I'd yeah, like there's maybe two. How much is a contempt of weapon? So like twelve quid, isn't it? For Thirteen quid. Thirteen quid for an arm for ah, them. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, when you take it in light of that, it's not that dissimilar. It's a slightly, I don't know, um, maybe slightly larger in scale, but they're smaller as well. So. Yeah. A Leviathan weapon's quite chunky. Yeah. It's quite bits to it. Um, they're quite slender, the Gatlin Blaster and the Quake Cannon on the Warlord, but they are quite big. I, 
Hey, they, they've priced them at what they've priced them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of them, because to be honest, we haven't actually seen them. It's always more difficult. Yeah. Game sizes. I mean, yes, I can look at normal. My, uh, I can go and look at my the size of my Warlord in the other room, but because it's a different gun, you never quite. So, probably just ignore all what we've just spoke about, because it's bullshit. <laughs> but they are... Um... As you say, they add variety. You'll yeah. start seeing some warlords with different weapon options. Quake cannons, quite scary. Yeah. Uh, uh, as, uh, I'll probably buy the uh, Gatling, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I think that, yeah, looks cooler. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad they're supporting the game. That's the main thing. Yeah. It'd have been so easy. You know, they've dropped all the terrain sets. They've dropped... You've got models now... So you can have Reaver Manipals, you can have Warlords in, etc. It's good that they're giving the weapon options. It's developing into a nice little game, and I'm seeing more and more people asking for games of it. Yeah, like I said, it's a brilliant game to play. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. really enjoyed it. Uh, so, you'll have to teach me. Speaking about, oh, I can't teach him. I can't teach myself, so you'll get it all completely wrong. And I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> i cheat and still lose. Uh, so the other, f- speaking about Titans, we've also had the new Warlords, uh, Warlords, Warhounds, sorry, uh, come in. Well, it's not really new, is it? It's just a rehash of what they had before. Which, yeah, the well, Chaos one. Yeah, I think it's nice though. I I still like the Chaos. I think it's a fantastic looking kit. It's just the tape. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Warhounds. Personally, I do. I love, really love the look of Warhounds. But then I also like the Lu- uh, Lucius one as well. The old one, the boxy you, one. Yeah, you yeah. can't get that. Yeah. Uh, I have got one. Uh, <laughs> in a box. Yes, in a <laughs> box. Ah, so, who's going slightly off subject, as we always do. Where's, for, where's his vein? will be popping out his head again. Uh, we was in workshop the other day, Warhammer World, and obviously they've got all them big red boxes on display, haven't they? Mm. So the wife starts looking at it and sees them, uh, and sees them, and she says, "Ah, oh, have you got one of these?" I says, "Ah, oh, yeah." Uh, she says. I've seen a few of these red boxes. How much are they? And they bloody put price stickers on them all, haven't they? Just, oh, no. You haven't, you haven't spent all this much. And uh, I looked at him. I said, oh, no, no. Th- these are the ones I haven't got. And luckily, I weren't lying because it's all the Mechanicus stuff. So luckily, they didn't have a Warhound. Uh, they had a Reaver, sorry. But they didn't have the Warlord or the Stormbird or Thunderhawk. So she says, but that's four. I think it's 480. I says, yeah, but I didn't spend that much. I says, because I brought it years ago. I says, I've got a bit of a deal. Because I brought one of them, you know, two Warlords, uh, two Warhounds, and a Reaver deal. So it made it a little bit cheaper. I says, so the inflation sent them prices up. I says, I didn't spend that much. She says, but you've got loads of these red boxes. I says, yeah, yeah, some of them are just empty. I was like, bastards. I have to remember that. I'm not to take her into... Uh, Forge World store because she's never gone buy me anything Forge World, so there's never a, a point in her being in there other than wow, complaining. 
So your warlord is still in its red box. Yeah, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, was it number three? Uh, number five. Yeah, it's number five. Yeah. So it's called Johnny. Number five. <laughs> so Lee was the jammy bastard. Got number one. He did, didn't he? Yeah. But it was the he was the second person to buy one. How <laughs> <laughs> wounding was that? <laughs> number one on the certificate. Yeah. Amazing. I brought mine on Sunday to be honest, because it was open Saturday and Sunday, and I, I resisted on the Saturday, and I, I sent him a message just saying, "Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to get there early tomorrow and buy one." And that's got number five. I do wonder because I was I was next to Lee when uh, we bought it. I thought if I would have brought one then and there, it would have got mm. number one, and or what number would I have got? But yeah. Anyway, anyway yeah. moving swiftly on subject, back on subject. So we've got the black books come out. Yeah, two books, forty-five pounds. Uh, book four and book six. Yeah, so um, nice bit of saving. Yeah, really good. Uh, two of the two of my favourite books as well. The campaign system in um, that's in both both book four and six are really worth looking at and really worth playing. Um, book six is the the campaign that was in there, the Shadow Wars campaign. Um, or the ad- additions to it were what we were playing um, as part of the campaign that me and Wes were part of. Yeah, you've finished that campaign now, haven't you? We have now, yeah. So the Loyalists only just managed to win. Mm. So, And that's w- one of the reasons is the coin toss in the game between me and Wes. We had a draw. The coin toss. Loyalists got to claim the victory. Um, so... But the Sons of Horus did really well during the campaign. Not, you know, we're getting a bit off topic again. But yeah, yeah the, um, but the books are really good. So uh, much cheaper as well. So 40, yeah, forty-five pound. Um, so half price, or yeah. just a little bit over. And you, um, do, you do get a lot of book. You do, and you know that. So yes, they're not leather bound with metal covers, uh, metal corners. But they are, um, they are the story, the background, the artwork, um, in a lighter version. Would I be, would I buy them? I've got my collection of proper big black books, so I don't need them. But as a gaming aid, I, if I, yeah, see, I'm, I'm the same position. If, if book uh, eight came out now in leather and softback, I'd buy them both. Yeah, You're one to go on the shelf, and one just to take around because, like you say, I wouldn't care about the softback so much. You know, purely, no. purely gaming. Take it to work. Read more of the background. It would just be a gaming aid. Yeah, I, and that's it. I mean, you could crack the spine. You can do whatever with it, and you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't worry about it at all. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's a really good departure on their part. I think it's really. Um, important that they do this and yeah. allow people to have different ways of of accessing the uh, uh, the source material. We're still waiting for that uh, to come on uh, digital. That'd be a nice. Yeah. Be nice when you can get digital copies. Mm. It, it, it certainly will be. I mean, if you think about it, so. I was just having a look. The new um, Head of Knights of Slaanesh limited edition battle tome for Age of Sigmar yeah. is 50 quid. Uh, 
you know, a normal battle tome is £25, so a codex type size book is £25. So, you know, these heresy books are um, three times the size of a codex yeah. for f- and £5 less than the super duper edition. Yeah, so, I, I, I totally agree with that. You get, you seem to get a lot more now with with the heresy books at uh, softback than what you would yeah. if you was buying a yeah. normal book. I mean, yeah, normal code. I know some people can say about discounts and stuff. Yes, you can obviously get them, but I'd have no problem paying forty-five quid for a softback book for one. Yeah. Them. No, I think that, I think they're good. So I think it's a good idea to bring um, and I mean, to the, bring the new stuff to people. In your loan, it's brilliant. You can cut cut you out if you want as well. And have your yeah. pictures or whatever. Well, that port more in I think it's book four, which is a uh, a sort of world made out of scrap, isn't it? Yeah, it's got the big hole in it. That piece of artwork's I found fantastic. I find a lot of this stuff in it fantastic, to be honest. But yeah, no, really good to have them. Um, I think that's it from the Forge World site, and then it's the Slanesh. Slanesh. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? I just pronounce it Slanesh. Slanesh. Yeah. And the problem I had recently at work, we had a lad called Suresh, and I always called him Slanesh every single time. <laughs> oh. oh. Wow, I thought if anyone else is into the hobby, there's no way they get I'm getting out of uh, saying about that. <laughs> so, the Dark Prince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of the the models? Because obviously, people are going to want to use them with the new Demon Codex. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I, I you, like them, but you're still not a fan, are you? I know why you like demons to be just these mad things and each different, don't you? Yeah, yeah, precisely. I mean, I, I, I think the models are fantastic looking models. The, um, the idea behind them, um, I, I know why they're there. I, I know that, you know, I'm well aware of the four gods of chaos and the background to them, and I know what's happened in Age of Sigmar with Slanish being captured and taken by Tilian and Teclas um, and held prisoner, and now this is them returning, blah, blah, blah. I get all that piece. I get in 40k, great demon of Slanesh and demonettes and that whole um, danger and beauty and excess etc i get it i like the models but like you say demons in my mind are um that's why i like demon i I like the ruin storm idea it could be anything um and so i've been thinking about having making a demon army yeah you said in the chat and the the other day when there was there was me wes and lee at Warhammer World, uh, Risa was over in the corner reading it. No, I'd sent her for our anniversary meal by herself. So, like I said, I'm such a good husband. Uh, <laughs> so, we was talking about it, and I said, so, 
I love demons, I says, but I'm not. I like the Nurgle stuff, but it's not really for me. And I says, but I says I like you. I says I like. I want something different, a bit not stuck to them for gods, just something yeah. more yeah. universally demoned. And we was, we was going on about it, and I looked up. Now all the people who have been to Warhammer Awards will know they've got pictures of just different art from all you know from all the uh, games they play. And I saw one from Age of Sigma, and it was the Treeman. And I looked mm. at him and I thought, they look quite demonic. And I said, could I reckon you could do demon army out of them, cut the leaves off and stuff. And just have them branches as like the warp coming off them. And I says, I reckon you could do a nice demon army. And that was it then. So we went to uh, the games workshop and I started having a look at all the models. And there's so much there that you could easily convert into a demon army. And I think it would look fantastic. So that's what I want to buy. I want to buy some tree men to turn (laughs) into demons and... I think it would look really good. Yeah, I think and, so. The, you could incorporate mandrakes as well. They've got yeah a kind of... That. I mean, there's so many beats they have that you could chop bits off and change them. I mean, mm. some of the special characters, I think... Uh, is the Daughter of Cain one, the, the hag or something like that? Yeah. Uh, she would make a great... Uh, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You get... Or, yeah, there's so much you could do. That, like I was saying, the mandrakes from the the dark elf, uh, the dark elder line, yeah. have that kind of flowing ethereal mix, a bit like some of the tree men that you're on about. And especially because it's plastic, it's much yeah. cheaper. It's much cheaper army to make. You know, and uh, if you're going down that sort of discipline, I guess of the excess, well. The fall of the Slanesh came about because of the fall of the Eldar. Yeah. So having demons, yeah, but having demons that have got a kind of eldritch look to them, um, absolutely fits in with with the idea of the the birth of a of the Dark Prince slash princess. Yeah. Uh, and the and the type of demons that would be birthed by that as well. So I think they'd be really cool. I, I, what I'd like to see is you actually make them, paint them, and put them on the tabletop. Well, we all know that's uh, that's the hardest part of any hobby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So the uh, so yeah. I mean, the model range is a fantastic model range. Would I be opposed to playing it in thirty k? Absolutely not. Um, I think demons have got an important part to play within the heresy, and as we go deeper into the Black Book series heading towards Terror. There's going to be more and more witchy poo stuff come out. I am absolutely sure. I'm sure there's going to be more units for the the heretics to to be able to incorporate into their armies, and maybe my view will change on on See, bringing them in. I love the totally different way they play. That's why I mm. like. I love how it's just totally different to normal. Yeah. And I've, you always need a bit of variety. So yeah, yeah. That's what I quite it's, like. It's like bait. It's like a. It's like a paint system, isn't it? So you've got. I don't know about paint. <laughs> yeah, 
but you've got them. They're stronger when they come in. They're sort of okay in the middle, and yeah. then they're weak at the end. It's a bit like a foundation paint, a layer paint, and then a wash. You know, you're diluting the 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 amount of pigment that's in the paint each time uh, as the, as you work your way through it. That's kind of how I view them. But yeah, but that's that's enough of, of demons. Is there anything yeah. else we need to talk about coming up? No, I think that's it. So the next question is... So just before we do move on, I just wanted to touch on the White Dwarf articles. Ah, okay. So uh, April's White Dwarf has got a number of painting guides in it for uh, for heresy regions. Um, it's the Mark Bedford School of Painting. Uh, it shows you what he shows every weekend, uh, which is um, how he layers, how he glosses, how he washes, how he brings it back down, mats it back down. It's a really good article, really worth looking at. There's also um, Phil Stokinches, is that how you pronounce his name? His weathering article, how to weather your tanks, your Ford Welsh tanks. Really worth having a read. Uh, I highly recommend getting a copy of that or asking your friend to send you a few snaps so you can see it if you, for whatever reason, don't want to shell out a fiver or whatever it is for a white dwarf these days um, because they are really good articles. And then there was the Warhammer community article about Primarchs and using Primarchs in um, the heresy. Yeah, that was a nice article. That one. Yeah, nice little article that just keeps keeps the heresy ticking along as it were, yeah. whilst we're waiting for stuff to drop. so yes. It's definitely uh, worth checking out them painting articles. Because unless you're going to be a, a Golden Demon winner, which, fair one, is fantastic artwork. We all like looking at, at artwork models. I love looking at them, but I know for a fact I'll never paint that good. Yeah. One, yeah. because I can't even paint. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can paint, Gaz. You paint. No, I, I, I get hard. I get halfway. The, my problem is, I get, I do, the hard work. I get that to that probably seventy-five percent fi- finished, and then I just go, yeah, I'm moving on to somewhere else now. Yeah. I, did, I just, it's that finishing what things. I just hate finishing things. As soon as I think, yeah, I can get him on the table now. He's, he's all right. It just goes into a case and never comes out again. So, yeah. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Mission briefing nights. So, have you played any games next week? Last week, even? So, um, have I played any games? Uh, no, I've arranged a game. That's Ooh. what we've got coming up. Um, work's been a bit busy, but I'm, and I'm off to Germany again. So, I'm looking forward to that, like a hole in the head. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have been busy hobbying. So, I know you've played some games, so I'll talk about just briefly, what have I managed to get done? Um, I have uh, completed the Warmaster. He's now painted yeah. uh, and is ready to go on the battlefield. Yeah, he's uh, on uh, the Facebook picture as well, isn't he? If he absolutely is. Facebook. Yeah, so the Warmaster is ready to walk. Uh, finished the Leviathan Siege Dreadnought for, for my sons of Horus. Really loved that model. It's a really good model. Yeah, to, to nice. put together. It'd yeah, be so... interesting. I I believe you will. It'll be nice when you get a Sons of Horus one as well. Yeah, an actual yeah. dedicated one. Yeah, loads of spikes and whatever. So, um, so he's ready. Um, and I, I got some um, 
pillars for cakes for baking cakes so like greco-roman style pillars that you would layer wedding cakes with and etc to make them stack so i broke them down filled them with some polyfiller to be able to put on the base used a bit of sand a bit of grit um and they painted up really nicely so uh really nice way of making some unique basing um kind of looks a bit like uh it was inspired by the game we played on that major table uh in warhammer world so having that kind of rich architecture on the base it's something so simple yeah yeah. fantastic on your bases and yeah and it could be playing on terror it could be playing on molech it could be playing in the ultramar system it could be any imperial world it really sort of fits with the the idea of that so quite happy with myself um no, they definitely look yeah. fantastic converted up some just and terminators using the new um plastic chaos yeah space marine plastics uh really i think they merge well using a bit of the cataphracty parts using the just and weapon sets and yeah or maybe once i finish painting them i'll stick them on the facebook page so people can have a look um and i'm three quarters of the way through making my knight atropos for house vaughnher house vaughnher is the knight house that alan Bly created for um book five tempest this was the house that always stood with the ultramarines supported the 13th legion um and was pretty much wiped out <laughs> as he described he created a house to kill it um at Calf, so I've got a uh, a number of normal uh, normal knights um, that I'm building for for the list. Loads of armagers that are going to be running around as their squires, and then I've got uh, my Atropus at the moment. Like I say, it's it's three quarters of the way done. Decals are all done. It's just about gluing it now in place and finishing the arms and the weapons. So um, and then future projects i got myself a load of uh chaos raptors the plastic raptors yeah i managed to get a load of sons of horus parts from a heresy trading site thank you very much gaz for pointing that little treasure trove out to me so i got them i'm going to make a load more reavers now boost the squad up to um to the 15 reaver squad that you could take uh and then it's all about an army of dark compliance or being able to take uh, so vary up the list. So I've got some Ogrins that I'm, I'm, I've scraped off all the Imperial Eagles that are on them. Uh, they'll get loads of eye decals everywhere once I build them. Um, I've created a, a big 20 man militia squad. I'll make another 20 man squad of them soon. Um, and then I need to think about how I'm going to equip them, etc. <laughs> Uh, as we go forward because I, I just like the idea of um, combining that human element with the Astartes and, and going forward so yeah so quite busy in, in the actual hobby uh, I haven't been gaming the way I'd like to mm. well I've done some painting shock but like I said it's not finished so it doesn't count uh, I'm still doing a uh recon squad and I've been thinking of ways how to run them because you don't see them no one ever runs them and I've, 
I'm definitely going through a stage at the moment finding things people don't take and wanting to take them finding a use for them in the hobby uh, so I'm currently doing a 10 man recon squad because every time I've used 5 it just is not enough in heresy 5 men is just so no. small with the amount of firepower people can dish out and well I took them out in that first turn in our yeah. game didn't I and but I they think, did anything I think especially being blood angels I can't go to ground with them so I can never get that two plus uh, cover save, you know. So I think yeah. they do struggle with that. Uh, but I still like the idea of trying to use them with a locator beacon. So if, or if something happens to my Damocles, because I keep looking away to take it out, but I don't think I can ever take it out. For hundred points, I'm just not getting something that can help my deep strike and as much as what that can you know yeah yeah that bubble is fantastic so yeah i've been working on them done some paladins uh they're all made i I made a poll Mm -hmm. on twitter to because i couldn't quite decide if i should have a salt cannon heavy flamer or just a sword and the salt (laughs) cannon one so the salt cannon's gone on so uh (laughs) when i told wes i says i am guy Heavy flame master. So if the heavy flamer wins, I'm going to have to go and buy a a set of uh, terminators. That was it. Then he was getting everyone to vote for the heavy flamer. <laughs> so I was, I was quite glad that didn't win. I was like, oh, I'm not saying I voted twice. But yeah. <laughs> so how how do you intend to run them? What's your what's your strat? Well, I've so I've just played uh, a game. Uh, played on Thursday against a Iron Warriors player. Now he was start he's just starting the heresy, he's just building up his army. And I'll defend myself a bit because I didn't there's two mats in our group, uh and I'm also useless with names. Absolutely useless. So yeah, I couldn't remember I've I have played him before but I couldn't remember uh who it was. So uh I turned up with, you know, I wouldn't say an all-powerful army, but a decent one. And obviously, he's just building, finding me. He's still had a fairly decent army. And I started wondering how I would have used them in that game. And I still... They are very awkward to use, I think. Because I, I would... I mean, bearing in mind, this isn't even a... Uh, so we had... Three squads of tactical marines in rhinos. Uh, a Praetor with another tactical squad. Mm. We had a box dreadnought with twin linked las cannon and missiles. He had a vindic- classic, yeah, vindicator, which I hate because of the large blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. He had a devastator squad armed with las cannons and heavy bolters, but he actually forgot the heavy bolters and. Uh, had a missile he says oh can i just you know the heavy bolters yeah 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 i told to be honest i weren't really paying attention so i actually thought he says he was uh heavy bolters and missiles off of the uh, las cannons were heavy bolters so uh when i start moving things i, I was like yeah yeah but your las cannons are heavy bolters aren't they so no the missiles are heavy bolters i was like oh shit so you can guess them las cannons had a nice time uh and he had his uh, Terminators, you know, the Iron Warrior Terminators with the uh, 
siege tyrants. Yeah, siege tyrants with the missiles and a uh, battlesmith with them. Mm. So I started thinking, well, that uh, squad, oh, and a contemptor, that squad I'd have had to have put against the tactical squad. I wouldn't want them going against the siege tyrants because they would just get absolutely mullered. Yes, they'll get uh, their fill now pain because they wouldn't be uh, doubling them out. But I'd still be relying on rending. So, how he deployed, I would have wanted to have gone against the Devastator squad, but he deployed these Contemptor and Siege Tyrants there. And I do think they're going to be very tricky to use. But that's yeah. just one game. Against the Tactical Marines, they'd have loved it. They'd have loved life. But once again, I said that was in Rhino, so it'd have been hard to have used them against them rhinos as well. Mm. But, yeah, they're, they're, in, they're a strange unit, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, we talked about this, John. I, I mean, they're not... Um, you don't want to run them up against other Terminators. No, definitely not. I think... I think they'll be very, very tricky to use. I'm determined to use them. Definitely. Yeah, and yeah. I, oh, I do yeah, think two, two squads could be really good, but yeah. I think there's a lot there's a lot more you don't want to run them against than what you do want them against, I think. Have they got implacable advance? I can't remember. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I, think, I think they have. I tell you what, I have book eight right by me. I'll have a quick look for you and I'll let you know. Because um, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's something that you would keep in the backfield. You know, defending a home field objective. Yeah, but then you're not really making the uh, use of their uh, field now pain and the shields. Yeah. Maybe They're, a nice uh, counter squad, counter attack squad. Special rules, deep strike, blood is forever, stubborn. Yeah, no, they don't have. Um... Ah. So, so that's a lot, little bit harder to use them with. Yeah, I mean, because they're, they're not a bodyguard unit. No. You wouldn't put them with Sanguinius. Definitely, well, definitely not. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You want them hunting down troops. your enemy's troops, don't you? Yeah. That's I essentially think how you would against use them. Most, against quite a lot of Iron Warrior players. You know, maybe not that game, but especially when they've got uh, artillery. Yeah, I think the, going after the yeah deep striking in, going after that artillery. The vehicles you know. in the back or the platforms, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think they'll be good for cutting through then. Them uh, mm. squads like that, where maybe you don't want to send in your fifteen man assault squad because you you might want them to go elsewhere and claim objectives or something like that. I think they are a nice little mm. I can't believe that now. Implacable advance. I just thought that was a given to be honest. Yeah. But it's it's not listed as a special rule. Um I can't remember is it part of cataphracty armor? I don't no, think no, it no. is. Because they're, they're meant to yeah, be yeah. fair, they're meant to just hold up the enemy. That's what yeah. they and then 
the blood angels go around swinging mm. by them and stuff. But you know, it's good they're kitted out for combat, aren't they? Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, deep striking and hope you survive that drop and then I mean, set to work on troops. Yeah. When I was playing uh, the lad, the Iron Warriors plays because I've got flyers. Uh, mm. He says, "Oh well, what?" He says, oh, I'm, "I might buy this unit so I can take out flyers, or you know." And I said to him, "I says, what you?" I says, "You don't buy, go out and buy units to do a certain role." I says, "Buy them to fit your army, and how?" I says, mm. "Because there'll be so, certain units they're brilliant for taking out flyers." I says, "But." If you're if you've got things in your army that can do it just as well, I says you don't need them. I, I says make sure you're not going out and buying things for one role only, and where you've got other units that could have fill fulfill that role. Yeah, and I, I think I see that. It's because some people do get torn into. I need this unit to take out this eventuality which he, they might never lose mm, anyway mm. yeah i see that a lot that sort of trying to tailor for specific situations rather than being able to cater for multiple occurrences let's yeah. put it that way um yeah i think i, I like to have a, a varied amount of units to be able to pick from yeah within my collection but invariably the base of my army will always remain the same for the said force so sons of horus i've got a big 20-man tax support squad, uh, tactical squad and two 10-man or up to 10-man volkite squads one the support and one the super heavy um ones from the heavy piece with a, a good terminator base that follows up and then I can plug and play different force elements into that list. Um, that's how I've, I've viewed it in the past. Uh, to, you know, and uh, you could tailor it for Zomortalis. You could tailor it through um, the Centurion type stuff that people play. You can tailor it for whatever. A bit like your Blood Angels. You've got a core of two big assault squads. Um, Praetor with with the Blade of Perdition, a couple of um, apothecaries that jump with them and keep them in the in the fight, and then some supporting elements that come around. I mean, because um, when my jump packs came on, like I said, he's, he's new to the hobby, so this is all new to him. Uh, he said, oh, I, I didn't realise how fast your assault troops can move. I mean, don't get me wrong, I explained everything how we, you know, also, but it can be a little bit frightening when you get two uh, squads that deep strike right next to you and then can assault at the next turn, you know, a fair distance. And he says, oh, I might get some assault squad. And I says, but, I says, I'm not being funny, you're an Iron Warriors player. I says, if you're buying assault troops, they're better for other legions. You should pay, play to your strengths. And mm. not to other people. So says a Medusa for you and Medusa squadrons, they're lethal. 
with the amount of uh, heavy things they can have. I mean, he's uh, re-rolling armor penetration rolls was just unreal. You know, I says focus on what your legion is good at and what yeah. how you want it to work, rather than saying, "Oh, I need assault troops." Because when you get assault troops, you know they're not going to be again as good as the Blood Angels, World Eaters, Night Lords assault troops because we've got rules to make ours that be better. Yeah, Sons of Horus. Sons of Horus have got um, Murderous Strike, yeah. which makes theirs good. Ultramines have got theirs where you can... A, you've got specialist type of jump troops in the Lokutara squad, but you've also got the rules that allow you to... Um, if you engage in a fight where other people are already fighting, they become better, etc. Iron Warriors, what he needs, if it were me, I'd pl play to the to the background of the army as much as possible. So that you're saying, get more havoc squads, get some more artillery. And if you're looking for stuff, if you're worried about, if he's worried about playing assault heavy armies, get yourself some breacher squads. You know, the shields act as defensive grenades and therefore you're negating, you know, some of the strike first stuff that happens in the game, etc. And it marries up with the background of this wall of 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 augmented super soldiers, big ceramite slabs in front of yeah. them, firing from behind it. You know? I've played loads of night war uh iron warriors. And you take massive casualties going in, but you have to survive that because as soon as you are in assault, that's when things start changing. You start cutting yeah, through. That's it, yeah. And I explain. I said you're you're great at shooting. I said you should really focus on that. Get certain. Mm. But like I said, he's he's new, so I I think he will. Yeah, leave the assault in an Iron Warrior. Oh, leave your melee piece in an Iron Warriors army to the um, those Domitar. Yeah, the, what, the, the Iron Circle Domitar. Yeah. Right, that, get them. Put them with a Praetor or a, a Warmonger or whichever type of console you want to have and, and go to town on the enemy's big combat Death Star with them after shooting it to pieces. I must admit, though, he, he's a Praetor did kill a drum squad, drum pack squad by himself. So, Cataphracty with the Thunderhammer, was it? Well, I, I sent uh, I sent my Praetor after he sieged Torrance, mm -hmm. because otherwise I had nothing to really deal with them. So I sent my other assault squad with, into one of his Praetor, and he had a 10-man uh, tactical squad with him. Mm. So I Obviously, did a bit of shooting, charge him in. He cuts down my sergeant straight away, uh, cuts down a few blokes. But because I'm a charging a tactical squad, I cut down more. And my idea was I want him to run. Yeah, of course, yeah. But now, passes his leadership. Next turn, I'll, I'll win the combat again. Passes his leadership. And the next turn, I failed because... He only had one tactical squad, uh, tactical marine, and he's Praetor, and he made every save going. <laughs> um, obviously, I think I was only minus two or something. Yeah, he chopped them all down. I was a bastard. But 
there were eight in the open then, so they just got shot to bits anyway. <laughs> oh, what, so he forced them to fall back and then shot them to pieces? Well, uh, obviously I lost combat, mm-hmm. so I uh, did ran a away. ship check. Yeah, ran away. Sweep. He cut me down. Uh, so, but at that point, it was just one because I decimated most of the rest of his army. Uh, it was just out in the open. My fire raptor went. Oh, hello. Oh, no, sorry. Actually, were my fire raptor. It was my Zyphon. <laughs> hello, Mister Praetor. I've got a nice las cannon waiting. We've waiting for you. So, yeah. So, but, what was his Praetor armed with, mate? Uh, by the tradition, uh, I'm just guessing his, his normal stuff. What his one? Not sorry, not the blade of perdition, the paragon blade. Paragon blade, yeah. Uh, paragon blade, digital lasers. Yeah, yeah, digital. Iron lasers. halo. Yeah. Blah blah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty yeah. standard, really. That's cool. Yeah. Tell you what, though, they are. A, it's a good character, isn't it? Yeah. The Praetor. Good character. Well, it was a good. It's a good game. We we didn't get past turn four, uh, but. To be honest, I was eight nil up, and there was no way he would be yeah, able to come yeah. back from that. Uh, I just so I showed him little little things to speed the game up as well, because I think especially new players, there's certain things like they'll say movements, and they'll move each, they'll measure each individual man, and it's like just do the first few, mate, and then space them around like we, you know, yeah. no one's that. Well, I can yeah, say there is Pete. Yeah, I have played someone who's who did actually like to be exact. Well, I used to move my men, and he used to move them back an inch. One of the worst games I've ever played. Yeah, sorry play. about that. Yeah, it weren't. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thousand sons player. Yeah, wouldn't have bothered me, but he absolutely he was annihilating me at the time, and he was still a dick about things. So anyway, <laughs> well, wow, yeah. So we'll move on to your next segment. Yeah, your choice in segment. Hmm. So. Okay, guys. So for this uh, for this segment, the main topic of the show, what we wanted to do was talk about why is we why we play the Horus Heresy. What is we love about the hobby, um, the setting, etc., and why we're not playing um 40k or other game systems why it is that we've decided that we'll waste more time putting together a podcast seeing if anyone wants to listen to it so that's what we're going to talk about why we love the heresy there's lots of podcasts out there talking about book eight we haven't finished our coverage um and our analysis of book eight there are still the white scars there's still the demons of the rune storm there's still the custodies as well as looking at the general background of fluff all we've really done is talk a bit about the blood angels. It helps that you've got a blood angel uh, praetor sat in front of you talking to you about whatever he wants to talk about. I can safely say that wouldn't be a praetor. <laughs> I think we can both say that, guys. <laughs> Neither of us. We'd both be line troopers within our respective forces. But, um, yeah, I've just thought it'd be interesting, fun, um, and a bit different to talk about why it is that we like the heresy. And kind of break it down into three parts um you know what is the horus heresy what is that background why is it so compelling the game itself 
Um, and then probably what's key, the models. Mm. So, well, yeah, so that's perfect. We go. So I'm going straight off, say, probably against the grain of ideas you've just put out there. The, the reason we play or Heresy is more for the background than the rules or the models. Because I think unless you're, you have to be interested in that time. So 40k to me, I used to love 40k, but the route it's gone now, it's kind of killed it for me. So I've got no interest in, no matter how good a gaming system it could be in playing it because I don't like the route it's gone. Whereas I think the beautiful thing about the Horus Heresy is the loss. It's all about yes. the loss and the sorrow and what could have mm. been. So, yeah, so all of us that are on this podcast come from a background of playing 40K first and yeah. foremost. I mean, for, for the vast majority of our time as hobbyists, Horus Heresy was but a little snippet in, in background parts of books we'd heard about clearly a third of the emperor's forces turned against him that's what made chaos space marines that was the blah 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 but we're, we're ten thousand years on from the time of the horus heresy when we're playing warhammer forty thousand. it's in there it's in the background so i i i get your points about 40k i quite like 40k i don't mind the way the story's evolving and developing still to this part but when heresy came out initially was i don't know if you remember it was the collected visions it was for that saber tooth horror Horus heresy yeah. game that's when this really started over was that 12 13 years ago now where you saw loads of artwork drop for the heresy uh, and you had people trying to convert up miniatures then you had teasers by forge world that they were going to cover they were going to make some uh, then you had the book sorry from black library you had uh, um, Horus Rising, False Gods, etc. The first couple of books that covered this fan came out. Then you had Forge World say, we are going to make a game. They'd already dropped some uh, different marks of Space Marine armor for the Bad Hub Wars, etc. But we are now going to make a game, a campaign system, in 6th edition Warhammer rule set for the Horus Heresy. So what is the Horus Heresy? Well, and what makes it different from 40k? Warhammer 40k is a, is a game system set within a universe where mankind is on the is on the back foot. It's five minutes to midnight on the doomsday clock um, at the time of the heresy. By the time you get 40k, you're a minute away from midnight. You are everything's out to get you. There's aliens from outside the galactic plane coming in and taking over worlds in the form of the Tyranids. You've got the uh, Necrons waking up um, and and starting to take over vast waves. You've got the Tau expansion as they're coming. You've got Chaos Space Marines looking to just make the that everything burn. <laughs> You've got demon incursions. You've got the Eye of Terror expanding um with the cicatrix maledictum or whatever it is in the way that they've brought the fall acadia storyline to a close and now 200 years past that and the empire split in half etc blah 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 there's loads of doom loads of whatever there's a little bit of hope coming back because of my boy Rebute Gilliman but everything's at its end 
essentially, and it's a fight for survival. The Horus Heresy is the is the root of that. It's ten thousand years before. It comes at a time when mankind was booming. Uh, the emperor had launched the Great Crusade. You'd had two hundred years of unification of man's lost domains, the hope that was generated, the innocence that existed amongst the expanding empire, all brought low by the actions of, well, Horus and others who set the heresy in motion and the machinations of the Chaos Gods, etc. It is a setting that is so rich uh, and causes everything that got us into the hobby in the first place. You like Space Marines, I like Space Marines, you like red ones, I like blue ones. You know, in 40k, this is, this takes you back to their beginning. This is when they started. This is where you see why those chapters are the chapters they are in 40k compared to what we are playing at, in Legion times. One of the things I really like is the fact that you can see the origins of some of the successor chapters in the background of um, the Horus Heresy as chapters, companies, battalions of the Loyalist Legions, because it's the Loyalist Legions that break up. Um, I think that's really fascinating. I love it. I just love all those components of the background. I think one uh, thing that we must mention, especially, I mean, I, I've played uh, 40k since 2nd edition. Mm. So the Horus Heresy it was always talked about in all the uh, codexes and everything like that. And it was still, even though you knew what happened, it was still a massive mystery. You didn't know what Primarchs did, how how things turned around. And I think the Black Library authors have done a brilliant job of flushing out certain Primarchs. I mean, Gilliman, I think they've done a fantastic job on him. Uh, I love Pedro Arpato. I think he's... I really like uh, his storyline. And I like how they've made reasons of why they've fallen or mm. took the route they've done. I've also like all the little bits of... Well, why if this would have happened? So, I know in Fulgrim there's one part where the Eldar warn him. Horus has turned, he's going burn the galaxy you've got to do something you're the only one who can do it and he drops out of the warp and the whole legion is there sons of horus uh and you can just annihilate him in that one attack can he i don't remember mm. if you know mm. and he's like yeah. i should do this you know the eldar right this is my chance and then all of a sudden one of his marines brings in that sword that is and he says the layer sword yeah, yeah he says I, I don't remember ever asking for that and then he's like oh maybe you should go and speak to your brother and you think well if he hadn't have picked up that sword you know what could have changed at that moment yeah. would he have yeah. wiped out uh horus and then all of a sudden everything changes again and mm -hmm. there's so much of that in the horus heresy universe there's horus whose intention starts noble but then little steps have led into da uh, damnation. Yeah. So for me, when you open book one, Betrayal, so the the first of the big black books, when you open that, um, the first part is 
you've got a picture of Angron charging across Istvan uh, free. And underneath it, it says, Night falls on the golden age of humanity. Sons shall turn upon their father, and his worlds drown in blood. The eye shall open, and the galaxy will burn. Boom. That's what cap- that captures me straight away. That's what the Horus Heresy became. So if, you ju- if we think about the background, so the Emperor, and we'll do a little discussion on the Emperor at some point in the future. I don't want to get too drawn into the philosophy of him at the moment but i love the emperor yeah so do i so but the so the emperor of mankind rises to prominence earth is uh, or terror as it's known in the in the far future um it's had a star empire already you've got to remember that humanity is already spread out across the stars and settled planets all over the place and but because of the cataclysm, the fall of the Eldar and the warp storms that rise arise because of it, Earth becomes cut off from this empire that it had amongst the stars um, and basically degenerates into a load of warring techno-clans, barbarians, high civilizations, all sorts of bits and pieces. The Emperor senses that the time is coming when mankind will once again be able to reclaim the stars and he launches a unification war on on terror uses genetically modified super soldiers known as thunder warriors to to spearhead his efforts to bring that planet under his his dominion once that as that war is coming to its close he starts a project to create both the Primarchs, so he creates 20 or more um, super absolute uh, above and beyond the um, type of warriors he's created in the Thunder Warriors and what will become Astartes. These are his sons. He uses his own genetic material as well as other material to create 20 demigods that we call the Primarchs. They get snatched. We can talk about that if you want in a bit, mate. But they essentially get lost into the wider galaxy. And from the material that's left over, he's able to create a a type of soldier who will be able to be uh, at the forefront of his crusade to reunite mankind amongst the stars, replaces the Thunder Warriors, essentially, with what we now call Space Marines, the Adeptus Astartes, finishes the unification of, of Earth, and then launches the Great Crusade when the warp storms die away to go and reconquer man's old empire in the stars. And that crusade lasts 200 years. It sees the unification of the Terran empire with the martian empire and the mechanicum um an extra eagle head is added to the imperial aquila one for mars one for earth or for terra um they spread into the galaxy and they start to find one by one the primarchs the first of whom is found is horus horus whether he was found on Caphonia, whether he turned up to the Emperor. There's a lot of mystery around it when you read the book in the background. But he first finds Horus. He fights with Horus for 30 years before another Primarch's found. 
you know, he, this is where the relationship that makes him the favoured son grows. Horace is alone with his father for all that time. One by one, they find the others. They reunite with their legions. They modify their legions in different ways to fit their personality. Um, two of those Primarchs, we don't know what happened to. The Lost and the Damned, they call them, didn't they, or something like that? Mm. So the second and 11th Primarch, but don't know what happened there. Uh, lots of little hints and drop, little mysteries that are tantalizingly put out there by Black Library and uh, and in the some of the margins of the Black Books, you might see bits and pieces and think, oh, hang on, is that referring to... T- Two or eleven, and lots, lots conflicting as well, which I think is a really nice touch. That's it, yeah. So, and but in terms of what goes on, the crusade comes to a point where humanity as needs to face the largest orc empire that the, that exists at the time, which is. Um, uh, around the Ulanor um, star system, and they, the Emperor Horus and a couple of other legions are sent. They they all go in. It ends up with the triumph for Ulanor. Um, they defeat, uh, basically destroy the menace of the Greenskin for generations. It's not for another two thousand years before the Greenskin and the War of the Beast and all that kind of stuff. It's not for another two thousand years that they present a threat again to humanity. So this was like this was a war, a, a race war between two star-faring forces, um, which could have went on to dominate the galaxy. And in our case, humanity wins and sees the emperor decide: right, the time's right now for me to return to work on another project in the basement. We'll discuss that in a second. And he names Horus as his war master. He says to him that um, all forces will listen to you as if you are me. Hail Horus, hail the war master. Right, I'm off to start my secret project. His secret project is that he's found a gateway on Earth to the webway and he is going to take over the webway for mankind and in so doing um, stop us having to use warp travel and navigators and psychers, etc., to traverse the galaxy. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about psychers and whatnot. No, I, I, I think we can. Uh, we'll save that for what the emperor's doing on one when we just talk about the emperor and why we love him so yeah. much. Uh, and I know we've got some uh, friends who want to have a discussion, discussion, shall we say? And I think it'll, yeah. that'll be a quite a nice. Uh, topic to touch on so mm-hmm. let's let's save our uh material okay. for then so we don't, we don't want to gain some uh anti-arguments and so, beating us do we because the emperor is the best uh, that's it so but that's the so uh he's the emperor retires from the crusade he's off to do uh what he needs to do and he leaves the fighting of the crusade in horace's hands he sets up um, a council of terror. So there's a war council before this, which was all the Primarchs, the Emperor chaired it, some other individuals were brought into it. When he returns to terror, when he returns to Earth, he sets up a civilian administration under his regent, Malkador the Sigilite, 
he sets up this uh, it's got um representatives of the administratum it's got representatives of the adeptus arbites it's got representatives of um all the different functionalities of of the government that you would require and these two elements horus uh, and the council of terror so horus with the what's left of the war council come into conflict at different times because Horus thinks we're still we're still on a campaign foot in here. We we haven't finished the crusade. We've got loads of planets out there that we still need to conquer or liberate or bring into the fold, into compliance, whatever terminology. There's still thousands of planets out there for us. But the government of the empire, of the Imperium, is trying to assert itself and wants to start raising taxes. It wants to start blah, 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 in a more systematic way than it has before it wants to organize yeah what's happening. And, uh, and horus doesn't think it's over yet and then what happens is other forces have started to have an impact throughout different elements of the crusade fleets so the word bearers have fallen to chaos worship um, it's covered in uh, First Heretic. So the first people to fall properly to to the forces of chaos and to their machinations were Alorgar and his sons. Um, Just imagine, you know, when uh, you see all these teen movies where a kid gets rejected by a girl and he's crying himself <laughs> on, on his big pillar. That's what Logar starts doing. Yeah, going, precisely. No one loves me. So Logar, Logar comes from a planet where uh, they worshipped gods, old gods, and he viewed the emperor as a god. He saw all his, you know, he's, he was a psychic, a psychic person himself. He he'd seen, he'd had dreams about the emperor. He'd had all this kind of stuff. It kind of goes into some of the story, um, and eventually this godlike being turns up, says he is an army built from your genetic material, they're loyal to you, they're loyal to me, I'm conquering the galaxy. By the way, I've been alive for mm, potentially 25,000 years. Um, I'm the most powerful psychic magician that there has ever been. Uh, I could blah, 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 blah. Why would he not think he was a god? Um, this, the emperor, who is trying to stop people from believing in gods, and we'll talk about that, when we talk about the emperor himself, sets the ultramarines um, to humble the word bearers and bring them back on track and bring them back into the fold of the imperial truth. Uh, and in so doing, annoys Lorgar, you know, makes Lorgar look at himself and go, oh, I'm so sad. Um, I want someone to love me. But I, I think there's another part of why we love the heresy. It's another part where... When Logar does fall and he comes face to face with Gilliman, he actually sees that Gilliman never hated him and yeah. always considered him a brother. Whereas Logar thought he was hated, you know, everyone didn't like him. And it's another little thought of, well, what if? What if he would yeah. realised? And like I said, I think it's always, it's been set up with so many, what if this would have happened? What if. Yeah. What if the emperor would have come down, saw his first 
uh, Logar's adopted father and gone, hang on a minute, you still love chaos. I'm going to burn you right at this stake, you know. All would have changed then again instead of him yeah. going around collecting chaos materials on the oh. se- secret. And I think that's that's one of the key points that you brought up there. So they set up in the background of the Crusades, the rivalry between these brothers. Um, and the very human, although they're superhumans in every respect, they also have all those human feelings that we have. And in, in fact, they're probably heightened. Think about it. They, none of them have got a girlfriend or a boyfriend, but none of them have got anyone that they're firing into and releasing any of that tension uh, and being nagged at or whatever. There so must, Yeah, but they must be too big, surely. I've seen some videos, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what you can fit up there. <laughs> so, but, so there's all these tensions between them that when you, when you realize later, you see that those that were most bitter that fall to chaos, that fall on on the side of, of, of Horus. When they look at their their brothers that have remained loyal, they see it's almost like chaos deliberately lets them see, haha, he didn't hate you. Yeah. You see that across the bit. It's not just uh Gilliman and Lorga. You'll see that with Dawn and Perturabo. You see that with you know the rivalries that are built up there. You see it with even Night Hunter and when he's looking at the others you know, you got all these different people have the scales removed from their eyes just so that chaos can twist the knife a little bit, so the chaos gods can go, ha ha, we've proper fucked you here. So yeah. now you might you're proper damned, and this is why you're damned, and this is why you belong to me. And this is all your choice, all your doing. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you fell because you were tricked. It's you fell because you wanted to fall. Sort of stuff. Um, I think there's there's a great short story uh, called The War Master. And I think that's yes. really, really good. Because in it, Horace is looking at it. And this is a spoiler alert. So if you haven't read it, yeah, it's been out a while. He looks at all these Primarchs who are loyal to him. And he thinks, why have I got all the damned ones? Why have I mm. got all the problems? You know, if I would have had Gilliman... I wouldn't have this, you know. Yeah. And I think that's just a brilliant, brilliant moment of him. A side of him must be thinking, "Am I in the wrong here?" So yeah, I mean, this comes to so we, we get to a point in the crusade where, um, Lorgar, the word bearers, manipulate the sons of Horus to uh, a point where they enable a chaos-infected weapon to be used on Horus, on Darwin. And when he's, when Horus is stabbed with this chaos knife, the anathema, um, it, that no human medicine is, is able to operate or work on this guy. And they trust in the Darwinite lot. So this is a proper Jesus moment. It's the Easter story for Easter time. They put him in a cave, roll the stone in front of it, pretty much thinking he's dead. And three days later, they move the stone out of the way and he's resurrected. Um, And what happens in that time is Horus in his fever dreams goes into the Imperium, uh, the Empyrean, 
I should say. So into the warp, essentially. His soul battles against... Um, well, his so- not battles, that's the wrong term. His soul struggles with what is being revealed to him. So his, his dead little boyfriend, Hasta Sajanus, apparently turns up and is guiding him to see all this different stuff. It turns out it's um, Erebus wearing uh, a different skin. So yeah. one of the word bearers guys is uh, pretending to be one of Horus's most loyal soldiers who was killed by uh, a demon um, and is showing Horus elements of the truth. So he shows the Primarchs being created in the lab and then being sucked <laughs> sucked off <laughs> sucked, sucked off of terror maybe that's um, why they haven't got girlfriends yeah maybe that's it so but he, sh- he shows him the, his origin story um he shows him a number of other things he shows him the possible futures which we know is the future that ends up happening it shows him the 41st millennium he shows him warhammer 40,000 he shows him statues to all these brothers but he's not there uh, it does all that. It so it starts to twist. Shows him the horror of the future, and Horus starts yeah. believing that if he doesn't do anything, that's going to be the future. Yeah. Not realizing yeah. that if he turns, that's the future. Future he causes. Yeah, that's it. So you see the emperor being worshipped as a god. The emperor the whole time has been saying, "I'm not a god. I'm not a god. I'm not a god." The emperor's getting worshipped as a god, and there's no sign of Horus, his most favoured son. Some of these other, you know, Sanguinius has got a statue, Dawn's got a statue, Gilliman's got a statue, the Khan has got a statue, Russ has got a statue, where's my fucking statue? Yeah. Um, and it's told, well, you you obviously know your your father's not a god, so you, you wouldn't allow this to happen, so you, obviously in the future something's happened to you, big and man. So, so Some of them don't even know his name. and he mm. That's his big thing, he wants yeah. to be remembered. It's like, how can you not know who I am? Horus, the emperor's first son, there's no statue, blah, blah. And he's being worshipped as a god. And they keep telling him the emperor wants to be divine. And he's setting everything up so that he can then take his mantle and take his godhood on. Horus sees all this. That manipulation really works. Um, Magnus comes and tries to steer him correctly. But the pride and the bitterness and everything within Horus has has been triggered, and he knows that it's not his friend. In fact, he basically um, uppercuts the blow, doesn't he? And it, oh, I knew it was in Sejanus. I knew it was you, Erebus. Blah blah. But he makes his own decision. He says to himself, "I need to stop the emperor. I need to stop the tyranny that the emperor is gonna put on to mankind." He makes the decision, and that's the key part. Horus decides that the emperor is false. I must, I am the only one that sees the truth, and I am the only one with the power and the ability to do that which must be done. And I think that's, I the, the, I think that's the important thing about chaos, is it doesn't change you. It makes you change it, it, it yeah. doesn't have the power to go, right, we're going to make you a Chaos Space Marine. You have to walk that path. You have to go to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, you know, and you can see different reasons why 
different people will fall to chaos. So I want to be bigger, stronger than my enemy. And you, you know, you can see people starting to fall to corn because that's what they want to do. I want to be strong. I want to kill him. I want to see my enemies burn in front of me. You can see people that are really sneaky falling to Zinch. You know, the pla- little plans, and I want my schemes, and I want blah blah. You can, or I want magic. I want to change. I want to be powerful because of my psychic abilities. Those people fall to to Zinch. Those that just want to sit in their bedroom wanking away <laughs> into socks absolutely will fall to Slanish. You know, excess. But it's not just that. It's like it's all excess. People that want to experience. You look at what happens to to Fulgrim. He just wants to experience everything that's possible. Um, other people want that as well. They just want a power in his in of its own self. The excess of power is uh, what Slanesh, Slanesh offers people. You can see people fall to that. Nurgle, I kind of think Nurgle's a bit of the exception because I don't see anyone standing there going, do you know what? I want to be really fat with my guts hanging out and stinking <laughs> of shit covered in flies. It, yeah. um, it's the idea that you'll live forever because you can just be reborn, isn't it? You are every single moment of or that life. You, yeah, that nothing that decay happens, but you don't you don't die of it. Yeah, but I can kind of see like you very dagger the well, story that all the yeah, Death Guard see the Death Guard wanted to, but nothing stopped them. Now, yeah, it's toxins. It's the promise of yeah, that's it. It's but it's the you could see why they were the ones that fall to Nurgle. They like all the poisons and the toxins, but they are the, Nurgle offers them relief from the pain and suffering that he's put them into. Yeah. So I can I've given you this and I can stop it hurting is essentially what happens. And he's like this, this, you you yeah. need to make the decision. This will kill you. I can kill you all, but or, I can stop anything from killing you. But that's what he said. That it's, it's more. It's not that this will kill you. You're too tough for this to kill you, so it won't kill you. You are going to live forever in absolute agony. He offers them relief from hell. That's what he does. Um, so they fall to know. But you, there's lots of ways that Nurgle can inveigle himself into into psyche. But you're right. By and large. Chaos. It's 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 like that episode of The Simpsons where where it's the monkey paw, the Halloween special, and and Homer gets to make a wish and he's like, I I want a turkey sandwich, but I don't want no zombie turkey. I don't want blah blah. So he, te- he has to explain exactly what he wants on the turkey sandwich for this wish, and then he eats, takes a bite of this turkey sandwich and goes. The turkey's a little dry. Ah, um, it's kind of like that. It, if you don't, if you're not specific in your wish, you know, you end up. You know, I want to. I want a million pounds. You didn't say a million pounds sterling. You are now. Now you weigh a million pound. It's that type of. We'll give you what you want. You know, I'll bring. I'll bring this person back for the dead for you. And he dies the next week. I didn't say he was going to live forever. But I think that's a, a good point on with uh, bringing people back. It's that moment where Horace must go, oh, so I can bring back 
you know, those that was lost to me, I can bring back from the dead. And he doesn't see, so he brings brings them back, uh, and he doesn't see the change that's happened in him. He's so he wants them back so much that he doesn't notice that damnation that he's caused. And I think that's why one reason why he's after Loken so much, because he still remains the part of that legion that never changed, the noble part of the legion that. Horus lost once he, once he turned. So, so this is and this is the part. So when Hor, this is the thing for me. When Horus initially turns at the start of the heresy, so on Davin, Horus is not a chaos worshiper. No, at all. It, Horus is that it's Horus just a tool for him to use it, to win. He will use he will use that tool, but even then, if you look at the early stages of the heresy he is not using any of the chaotic stuff. He's using his own brilliance, his own just strategic capabilities. As the heresy progresses, he realizes, and this is my view, um, in order to defeat the emperor properly, I need to, I not only do I need to usurp his throne, I need to usurp the power that he wrestled he struck a bargain. So in Horus's mind, the Emperor has struck a bargain with the powers in the warp with the Chaos Gods to become godlike. He goes to Moloch. Funny thing, we were talking about Moloch before. Yeah. And when he gets to Moloch, he gets he goes through the gate that the Emperor went through, essentially. Um, in striking a deal, or it's it's intimated that it's he goes through the gate that the Emperor went through, or whatever it is. Um and for the people that are left behind, it's as if he's only he's only been gone a couple of minutes. You you learn that essentially Horace goes into the warp, and is there for what seems like centuries, forcing demons to his will, leading demonic armies, conquering whole swathes of the warp. How can you conquer? energy itself that's what he does he ends up conquering it. and he in horace's mind horace bends the powers of chaos to his will whilst he's in the warp and he comes out a different being the reality probably is the chaos gods allow him to think he has bent them to his will but his soul is uh, splintered isn't it yeah because he's absolutely each each mark has a part of Horus mm -hmm. on their plane, so to speak. And then there's yeah. Horus himself. He doesn't realise that he yeah. is a fragment of himself after he left. That's it. So he comes back even more than he was, but less than he was. Yeah. Whereas the Emperor, I think it should be announced, said that when the Emperor went through, chaos lies. So yeah, yeah. We, that's one thing people always forget: chaos lies. Mm -hmm. So when they say, "Oh, he struck a bargain," yeah, he he wouldn't have. He when the emperor came back, he was on death's door. He he wasn't able to close the door because he had no power left. He was, you know, ripped apart by fighting in the warp. But yet, when Horus comes back, he's stronger. Mm. You know that that's something 
easily overlooked but once again that little snippet of how things have changed and I I'm going to say again I think the writers have done a brilliant job yeah absolutely of just explaining little little bits because it, it'd be so easy to say oh, Horace goes bad uh, and then he does all these bad things but it's that little the road to damnation is paved with good intentions and that's all what Horus has done everything is a good intention hmm. and sends him further and further down yeah and this is what's really interesting you bring in the uh, the alpha legion and the cabal and the idea that the cabal have planted in the in the mind of the alpha legion is that if Horus wins humanity will burn itself out that he because of his his fall to damnation, humanity will be damned. They will fight. Everyone will fight. And within fifty years, humanity will be wiped out. And chaos, in its current guise and in a threat phase, will be gone from the galaxy. Um, if Horus wins, if Horus loses, mankind will go on for ten thousand years plus slowly degenerating slowly stagnating and chaos will have a permanent foothold in the reality that we experience so the alpha legion all right well daddy emperor has always been against chaos we need to ensure horus wins in order that chaos loses eventually yeah um type of story is planted there for, for someone for some people who have so many uh backstabbing and half-truths and stuff like this. It's amazing how easily led that was, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's done in such a way that the, it plays to their belief system and that's what happens. But So the setting, the, the heresy is that Horus has turned on his father and whether that's because in the beginning he saw his father as a tyrant and he, you know, deaf to all tyrants or as it goes on because chaos infuses and takes over the um the legions it would kind of doesn't matter it would be interesting to see if there was possible to for horus to look and see what he become at the siege of terror what he become and all the primarchs for that matter to what they were before the heresy I think most of them would have been repulsed, apart from Logar. It would have gone. Ooh. Yeah. See, I think I think we're going to get that as well. So, Horus. I mean, it's this isn't spoiling anything. The story was written a decade ago, more than a decade ago, about Horus um, and his father fighting on the vengeful spirit, and how Horus, in the end, begs the Emperor to end him. Because he sees what he's become, he has the the veil lifted from his eyes, etc. So, but we will get that story. We will get that self reflection. Warmaster, the short story you're, that you spoke of, Horus sees already the bitterness and the elements of his brothers that have joined with him as being broken. That you know he's got all the broken Primarchs on his side. They've all been drawn to him. He he understands that. But he's as he's talking to the skull of Ferris Manus, because that's what's happening in that story. He he has the self belief in 
in what he's doing in his own justification in his own cause in himself that it doesn't matter that they're broken i'll i'll use them for what they are in many ways he'll use them as the weapons that he needs them to be very similar to someone else yeah with his, with the primarchs um and and but he at that point he hasn't fallen to chaos this is in the early part of the heresy he's still his aim is to usurp his father and become the emperor of mankind and to lead humanity how he sees humanity needs to be led it's very funny one tyrant to replace another yeah. is essentially what's going on um but that the heresy of horus is is what happens as he goes forward. So he embraces the powers offered to him by chaos. He falls because he he wants to use it as a weapon. He the hubris of the man is he thinks he's better than them. Yeah, he and that he, he knows more. It. Yeah, precisely. And, and that's where his heresy. And once again, is, it's that moment of him going to chaos, not chaos saying. You know, it's that yeah. his choice, not chaos going, right, you are now our champion. It's his choice to say, right, I I need this power. I mm. need this, otherwise, you know, we will not win. Yeah, but chaos, and chaos makes it hard for him to get that power as well. They test him along the way. And that's why when he's fighting in the warp, that's what I think is happening. They're testing this man, this person but in so doing they're feeding his self-belief so make it harder for you but as you overcome each and every one of these challenges i we're feeding your ego we're stoking your um self-belief and allowing you to think you control us and the more we allow you to think you control us the more you're falling into our trap that's essentially what keeps happening to him. It's it's amazing how so much of him has disappeared uh, in his personality, whereas other parts have gained. So he mm. was loved by all. Uh, you know, he, he could speak to the hearts of men. But later on in the uh, heresy, he's just a nasty bastard all the time, isn't he? You know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no... Oh, I care what people think about me. It's just no. I want to, I want to smash everything in front yeah. of me. I want that world. Yeah, just burn it to the ground. I don't care who lives there or what. Just burn everything. And I think that's. But like I says, I. I always love the little snippets of. Well, if they'd have done this, if they'd have done yeah. that, how much would have changed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he'd made, if the emperor had named Sanguinius as the war master, um, and taken Horus back to be his Praetorian on Terra, what would have happened? You know, there's the Imperium Secundus. Yeah. What if that had been discovered by Malkador the Sigilite earlier, and so there was no explanation to it? I, it's just a breakaway empire. To be fair, I I do believe Malkador knew about that because he did say 
in one of the books, he says, uh, what's Gilliman doing? And he says, what do you think he's doing? He's building an empire. Yeah. And I think Gilliman, true, would, yeah. Gilliman was... I don't... I, want, I think he protected himself before he protected the Imperium. I don't think there was any intention of finding out whether the Emperor was truly dead or because there's a lot of misinformation mm. and I, I think it's one of them this Mamai Sanguinous dreams considering he had dreams of the Imperium burning and stuff like that for so long he didn't want to think didn't want to go there mm. so I kind of I, I kind of think that the so Gilliman does what Gilman looks at it and goes, because he's cut off, he's been surprised. So the master tactician, the master strategist has been surprised by the word bearers and almost destroyed. If Horus has turned, if all these other legions have been destroyed as he's told, etc., there is no way Horus is not right now sat on terror already on the throne um, because he's he's that good. He will have had the jump on everyone. And he won't be waiting. He would have gone as a spear tip, as Horus's want to do, straight to Terra. There wouldn't have been time to reinforce the planet. There wouldn't have been time to call all the banners or whatever you want to use as a terminology to Earth to protect it. Horus would have been there. Horus would have destroyed it. That made sense to Gilliman. So now I need to protect my empire and I'll go again from here rather than from Earth. You know, and... And they allude to it in different books and different little bits of snippets of everywhere here, there and whatnot throughout the whole of Black Library books and the Forge World books. That Horace didn't have to take terror to win the war. It, you know, he wouldn't have to have done what he did. He didn't have to, likewise, the Emperor could have blown Horace's... Sh when he drops the shields at the Siege of Terror on the Vengeful Spirit to allow the Emperor to beam aboard, why doesn't every bloody laser defensive silo on earth that's still in loyalist hands point itself and fire at the vengeful spirit or oh, because the emperor has to face him in combat no he doesn't just destroy him and then he's yeah. done so i think boring the, story but there's there's that great moment of uh slaves of darkness mm. when another spoiler alert his ship drops out in the warp in like the soul system and everyone's trying to blow it up and the blood angels have invaded in but because it's got imperial fish ships trying to shoot it they're not moving out of the way for the space stations to essentially just blow straight out of the sky and you think mm. just stand back let them, let them just blow it straight out of the sky whereas you instead you've got blood angels cutting through uh the ship and i, I love that moment where it goes we've been boarded by blood angels i oh, sent where are they? Uh, I don't know. Sector seventeen. What's what's sending this company? They won't. They won't get past that. And then five minutes later, they've broken through the company. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, yeah. And it's like, fuck you know, this such sheer scale of mm. you know death that's going around. I just, ah. So that's yeah. So you know, talking back to the second. So Horus, half of the prime, half the Space Marine Legion's turn. Um, on the Emperor for different reasons. The Mechanicum has a civil war. Um, Kelba Howell 
the fabricator general of the Mechanicum. Um, the emperor, as the Omnisia, or Omnisia, has um, forbidden research into the warp and into certain technologies, etc. Horus tells Kalbahal, when I'm emperor, if you support me, you can research whatever you want. You know, straight away, that little dangle of, of promise power. That, that forbidden vault. Yeah, go and open it. What's the yeah, do what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to you, oh, you want to try and capture the souls of demons and put them into laser guns? <laughs> Fill your boots, mate. I'm happy with you to try that. You know, all this. So Mars has a civil war. The Titan legions have a civil war amongst themselves. Humans, base humans, have fights against themselves for whatever reasons. It's there is so much of a of background. Uh, I mean, you got a war on Beta Garmin where billions and billions and billions of of humans are being killed in a meat grinder of a campaign that lasts pretty much the whole length of the heresy. You got to and all the while, the chaos gods are getting stronger on the death that's being caused. Yeah, absolutely. The emotion being released, the feeding, num, 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 and all these human souls are being released into the warp, but all the emotion, the terror, the fear, the hope, everything is just sucker to to chaos demons in the warp and to the chaos gods themselves. People are offering them worship. People are off, you know, begging for mercy from them. It just makes them more and more powerful. Um, and you see, you see the death of hope. Yeah. That the Imperium was was working the Great Crusade, the promise that the Great Crusade was the hope for human uh, for humanity. You know, you see that innocence being lost, and that's why I love the Horus Heresy so much in terms of background. There are and there's so many little avenues, so many little areas that you can look at. You've got, you know, you've got the campaign um, between the Dark Angels and the um, Dark Angels. <laughs> <laughs> you got the Night Lords and Dark Angels fighting in the Framus Crusade. You got the Death Guard on their long walk and uh, their long march, and all the different bits and pieces that happen with them. You've got Imperium Secundus, Calf, etc. You've got mo- things like Moloch, like Beta Garmin. You've got Istvan itself, both three and five, and the campaigns that go on there. You've got the Foul System, Chondax. Sickness Prime, so many little campaigns that you can play. And I think the only two people, I'll say people, uh, the only two souls who really know what chaos is and what it is all about is the Emperor and Malkador, who are horrified by what's going on. Uh, Because even the Mechanicum, when they're going, oh, well, what happens if we put warp uh, energy through this good well it's only energy it's it's not can't do anything but then they can't work out why it does things differently to how they explain and that's that's chaos in a nutshell it's constantly changing it's unpredictable to them the the dark mechanical means just think it's energy yeah it's we've put we've we've put energy into this laser gun why is it growing tentacles yeah there's no biomatter here. Why is it growing a tentacle? How is that happening? Why has it got a penis? Why has it just grown a penis? <laughs> it's a laser gun. Why has it turned into a penis? Oh, and little demonettes are coming out of it. Not laser yeah. beams, 
little demonettes. What? What's going on here? And yeah. I mean, with Malkador, he he says, you know, they've all been lighted. They've been promised things. And I do like how he says, if I could save just one, it'd have been Logar. Such an easily bruised soul. And it, it shows that that moment when things could have been handled a little bit better to have stopped that initial temptation. Yeah. I, it's, it's That's what's fascinating. So some of the stuff that Malkador drops um, in in terms of the story. So what's that now peels midnight or whatever? Is that the story where his, his friend is dying on a deathbed? Yes. The, uh, uh, oh, apof- not apof- uh, his psychic one who sends you all his the messages. Astropath. Astropath, his, yeah, his astro-telepath. The astropath, I can't remember her name, but it, when he's talking to her, he says, um, well, basically says, oh, it just started early. We weren't ready. But ultimately, there's a reason why all these rivalries between the brothers exist. We kind of wanted them to turn on each other. Now, whether or not that's true... Um, but, and, he... and then in his next breath, when she's passed away, to ease her suffering, he says that. And then when she's passed away, he turns around to the Emperor and says, why have I got to lie? You've promised this. None of this would happen. Why yeah. am I having to lie about... That's what... So you... But what was it? What was the lie? So you never... That's the... That's why I like the heresy so much. There's so much mystery, you know... Was he talking about they were genetically engineered to hate each other and to to be prepared to fight each other? A bit like the Thunder Warriors. The Emperor turned on the Thunder Warriors um, and had them culled. Once the Legion of Astartes had taken most of the galaxy for him, you don't need Angron. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need uh, Night Haunter. You don't need Sanguinius with wings. He's a mutant with wings. Why do we need him? But you know. I mean, this this goes against. Uh, this is what I believe the emperor is. There's a part when he's uh, with Angron, and oh, what's the book? It goes a land comes in. And he's got the butcher's uh, nails in. It's in Master of Mankind, and he's talking uh, to land, and he says, "Weapon oh, twelve. Yeah, this is weapon twelve. And everyone goes, oh, see, I knew it. The Emperor just used them as a weapon. There weren't those sons. The Emperor used them as a weapon. But to me, Land is, because he's Mechanicum, he likes everything ordered. He's hearing what he wants the Emperor to say. And that's why I think the Emperor is. The Emperor will use whatever means he can to get you to his side so all land is hearing is this is a weapon i've not named him he's just a weapon but now if someone else was in that room i reckon he would have heard oh no this is angron this is my son i'm trying to cure him and i think the yeah. em- i think the emperor is some is you only hear what you want to hear 
maybe not why he says so much it's because of his psychic belief does he actually talk you know with his powers does he actually talk or is he all implanted into your head mm. so so that's so it's interesting that because you see Horace doing the same yeah but from Horace's side and so the emperor is trying to you know the the way they tell you in the story the emperor's trying to steer mankind down this one small sliver that will ensure its survival going forward um he talks in Ma master of mankind is a great book because it talks about the emperor's powers in terms of precognition why can't why didn't he see it coming and he he says to the um to the custodian that he's he's having this discussion about um being able to scry the future and he says you see the top of that mountain over there and he's like yeah i can see that top of that mountain over there he says right that's what the future is i can see that i can see the peak i can see where we're aiming for what i can't see is all the crags the dead ground after the crag the cliff face we have to climb and all the you know it might look like you can see the path but you can't see all the path that's I where think, my powers are i think it's an actual island because he talks about the boat yeah, maker. yeah the boat yeah that's it so it's a I don't know if the, the boat has been made correctly. I don't know what wood's been used. So, yeah. So, so, you know where you're going. You know where you want to be, but, but you don't yeah, know the hurdles the path. along the yeah, journey. Yeah, that's it exactly. So you see that with the emperor, and you see he's not as all powerful. Like Horus has to save him several times during the crusade. <laughs> the yeah. Stories with the emperor get, you know, the Vulcan saves the the. Uh, or the emperor sacrifices something to save Vulcan, um, out, and is prepared to bend the knee to Vulcan in the competition because Vulcan comes back with a salamander, and the emperor comes back with nothing, but Vulcan bows to the more honourable, noble person. Now that's the emperor manipulating the situation, I imagine. Blah 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 blah, but it shows a man that does what he needs to do in order to steer humanity on the path that he sees humanity needing to go down. That's what Horace is doing, certainly at the beginning of the heresy. And as the as he becomes more infused with chaos powers, he starts to corrupt more or use his brother's corruption more in ways that he probably wouldn't have thought of at the beginning. So, yeah. But as a setting, how fantastic. You've got all different, so all the rich tapestry that had, had been revealed to us in the 40K setting through our years of hobbying from being little kids to now. I mean, it, like I said, like we said, it's given, it's, a, yeah, it's given a new polish. It's the technologies that have been lost. Yeah. You know, there's so much you think, oh, this is brilliant. And, because I think, especially in 40K, sometimes you think, well, they're not that advanced. You know, 40,000 years, they're not that advanced. But the 30K universe gives that show what they could have had. Yeah. All the Because yeah. a lot of the technology in 40K still isn't uh, a patch on why he's on in 30K. You know, lots yeah. of the technology is lost. And I think that's why uh, it was so good, the Martian book, uh, Mechanicum. You know, he had that that one fabricator general who was 
saying, well, all these people do rituals and believe that, uh, a switch is a god and all this and in these singing praises, when really a switch is just a electrical current stopped, you know. <laughs> and I, I love she the she was the hope of new technologies being learned, but yeah. because of the Horus heresy, it will never be learned. And because he, he says uh, when she passes, and there was the passing at the chance of uh, golden technology or something like that. And he was what another little sniffy of well, if she hadn't have died. How would the universe have turned? Yeah, yeah, that's it. The, <laughs> she's almost the the call of her day, wasn't she? Yeah. The Belisarius call of her dying. But you know, let's constantly improve, adapt, divide, rather than just relying on ST like um, standard template constructs, STCs. I, I mean, game wise, I think one of the big ones that show the loss is the auto cannon. Predator auto cannon in 30k can fire four shots. 40k because mm. they've lost so much technology, you only fire twice. And it just Mate, shows you how Malkador, Malkador tanks are fast vehicles in 30k. Yeah. And are what is it lumbering behemoths or whatever yeah. it was in? I mean, I don't know what the new eighth edition version of the Malkador rules are like, but certainly in the in the comparable rule set. It was a slow vehicle, uh, yeah. and it just you know that's the degradation over over the years, etc. I mean, so there is predators I... were the best uh, tanks in forty uh, k universe, whereas the Sikorans and stuff were just so yeah. much better. Yeah, precisely. Thirty k. Yeah, there's um, you see, you see the lost technology, you know, the contemptors, the blah blah. Now clearly, there's also a, a retrofit that has taken place in terms of the hobby. So as they've revealed these new stuff, people want them in yeah. to be able to use them in whatever genre, uh, and it, uh, they allow you to do that. But yeah, it's uh, it's clear the techno- technological degradation that takes place in ten thousand years, rather than technological improvement and innovation, um, and the, the the mystery that te- uh, the the mystical aspects taking on greater and greater import um as the millennia have gone by um is quite clear but that kind of leads us to the second part so we've talked about the background that's it's the setting it's the richness it's the tapestry that is presented to us the sandbox nature we can create whatever we want within the 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 heresy world uh or the heresy universe leads us to the second part that um we want to talk about which is the is is game playing because clearly it's a game. Yeah. Uh, so and we uh, go on. I think uh, it's been said many times that the heresy was the biggest bloodbath the galaxy's ever seen. So mm. when you've got uh, two force, two forces going against each other, there's going to be just death of such an amount. Im- massive scale the game uh, designers needed to have made needed to reflect that and you know god rest him alan blyle turned around and said i wanted uh 
what is it, 70 or 80 percent death? Yeah, 80 percent. So, what was it that first weekend of they spoke about in designing the game mechanic? They wanted each game to end with 80 percent casualties, yeah, and uh, haven't been inflicted, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I've played many games where I've got about 80 percent casualties and I haven't hit the enemy lines. And then when I hit the enemy lines at the end of the game, they've got 80% casualties. It's just, it descends so quickly as nothing's ever safe in yeah. the game. You've, you've got a unit as big as you want at the end of the game that will have been hammered. Yeah, so, so for me, um, Horus Heresy came out as an expansion to 6th edition 40k. Um, and I mean, I was, I, I loved the background that we just spoke about it before and the narrative element of the gaming that takes place in the Horus Heresy is what's really won me around and is what is key to my desire to remain in the hobby. Um, you know, the, the, the ability to look across a battlefield, uh, well-painted because it not invariably I'm not playing you. <laughs> so invariably it's a well-painted army across from me. Um, with <laughs> yeah, Something wrong with your mic, mate. Uh, <laughs> but, then, you know, seeing what we have read, the pictures that have formed in your mind brought to life on the tabletop is key. But it's an expansion of the heresy. Uh, it's a, it was an expansion of Six Head and was essentially... I'm going to make no bones about it. It was a bit of an elitist type thing. This is a different way of playing 40k. Um, it was there was no plastic models at the time. If you wanted to have heresy specific, so um, this is the this is the the true war gamer in terms of historical war gaming element being brought into the 40k hobby. This is yeah. uniform guides. This is. Um, right marks of armor, right vehicle types, etc., were being pushed, and the people that were playing Horus Heresy were real narrative buffs. It wasn't about a win at all costs, 40k army, you know, Grey Knights or um, Necrons or Tau gun lines or any of that kind of stuff. This was about you need to have the right type of mark power armor. You want to have guys with bolt guns. You know, it's not guys with uh, loads of different weapons certainly in the early days it was all about um being painted in the right types of colors for the legion the right side of legion markings still exist today um I think they've expanded the what you can do but i think that was one thing they uh, i know the heresy scene right at the start and everyone did it was screaming uh to the writers to say we love your game, we want to play it, but some legions, I mean, look how long it's taken for White Scars and Blood Angels to come out, and people are saying, we want you to create a book, doesn't matter how big it is, but just saying, this is how this legion was painted, or, you know, these are the marks, that or these legions, just so people could get the exact mark. I mean, it's kind of like, in uh, 40k, I've never really seen it like anything in the Napoleonic War game plays that people do. But if yeah. you turned up 
with the wrong regiment or somewhat like that for I'm sure one of them go you can't play that because it's not the right regiment you know that it's the only time I've ever seen that in games workshop of people and I don't think those being nasty about it it was it was such a hobby that it was really forged so, all about the narrative it weren't forged about winning no we, we all we all knew what what happens but people wanted to play this part of the 40k universe in a sense because we all got our prime arcs we all have always loved sanguinous but even in 40k there was never that much described about him you don't know the wars he's been on how he you know mm. it was only recent books where he actually told you what weapons he even had you know yeah and it's it was that you everyone was always excited by the Horus heresy but there was so little known that people wanted to do it correctly yeah and that, that that's exactly what it was it's not um so i've seen that in historic war gamings I've, I've dabbled with historic war gamings if you have if you haven't painted the right buff color on the turn-ups of that regiment thing then how dare you even darken our door type of attitude the horus heresy isn't that the horus heresy does not stop people from painting things in different shades of blue for ultramarines it doesn't stop but they give the marking guides, they give the colour plates, they give all this stuff so that people can be purist about it. And you can always find a reason why even Mark Seven armor is worn by Marines. Well, you can, you mean... could, you could think. But what I found, certainly as I've been playing, is that the people that wanted to play Horace Heresy wanted the narrative and wanted the visual of the Black Library books. And of what's told in the big black books to come to life on the tabletop they didn't want as i said before they didn't want to play a list which was massive death star with two elite units and a knight allied to necrons they don't want that they want seas of tactical marines uh marching across the table at their sea their horde of tactical marines that are going across the table towards the enemy. And there was a balance to the game, certainly in the early days, because everyone had access to pretty much just base units. Um, and people were putting love, they were putting care, they were putting effort into the hobby in a way that when you play, when certainly when I was playing Sixth Edition and then Seventh Edition 40k. I know I didn't put into my 40k armies. Well, I mean, uh, I think some of it is at, when we've gone to the weekenders, of, they obviously, or any kind of Horus Heresy event, they mm. do describe that just because you're an Ultramarines player, you don't have to paint it in that blue because precisely because we have um different different colors uh you know the sun will fade different blues exactly the same paint or you know whatever i, I don't know what they use do they use paint or what is it dye or something like that you know <laughs> you know, you know wode yeah <laughs> I can't wode. Uh, um so that's 
I think that's how they go around, you know, the colours because, you know, I've got a certain way I want to paint my red. Uh and I'm sure everyone else, you know, will love yeah. different colours red, whether they be GW paints or, you know, the other uh paints that are out there. So I think they, they described it brilliantly to just to say this is all about what you want to do. And let's face facts, one when, when you say about people wanted to use legions of tactical marines i think a lot of people also want to see a primark on the tabletop oh yeah absolutely so and that was when those first rules for primarchs came out in that book one yeah wow and wow it was it's that seeing an actual primark model yeah they're all just you know it was all the myth how strong they were no one knew you know you always expected though oh they must be able to be beat uh, bloodthirsters and avatars and stuff like that but he's never never known and then when you saw angron come out and you just thought that guy is insane yeah, yeah. it was just... yeah uh, was... the those early days of the heresy were amazing weren't they yeah. for for that so... I, mean, I do i love the plastic uh I wish I wish I'd go and make just them two uh, Mark II plastic and then bring jump packs and stuff in plastic. I'd love I'd love them to yeah. do that because uh, I prefer the plastics to them. The resins, the resins are that little bit too skinny for me. Uh, yeah, but even so, just having I don't know. There was an excitement about the heresy. You did. You used to get when you ever flicked through like a really old white dwarf, mm. and you see all like the old marines and the old land speeders they used to have. And you, there's an ex, there's an excitement you you get there because it's so nostalgic, and you're like, oh. and then they brought you out in heresy. And it was like you were just starting the hobby all over again. It that's it. That's a really good way of putting it, guys. So it was like restarting a hobby and invariably we were all a little bit richer we we're all a little bit older we all had a little bit more disposable cash we weren't saving up 50ps a week um to be able to buy five pound box sets of i don't know space marines or space orcs or whatever it was now you know there's a bit more disposable cash but also hobby skills had changed as well in the intervening years and our abilities not just and this isn't just us as a little group, but across across the piece, it just seemed people were applying the sort of historic military model making techniques to vehicles from Forge World and to armor from Forge World. So you had less cartoony looking Legion forces and more yeah. realistic painting schemes. And like I say, we were using color plates, we were using Legion markings, we were using what came in the tomes of the Black Books to create our force. As it's gone on, the Heresy's only expanded this ability. It's given you more options. It gives you, you can play scat, you know, Shattered Legions, you can play Black Shields, you can play Mechanicum forces. We never had Mechanicum forces, really. They had the odd Tech Priest and the odd... Um, servitor etc that had been released electro priests there have been some models of from second edition but from third edition 40k onwards there was no mechanicum stuff um until really 
we started having there as you've got Phalax and then you've got Castellax and then it just opened up all these different avenues for people to to explore and to play and to just bring to life the stories that we were reading. Enough. I think uh, when you talked about 40k at that time, it was very stagnated. I think obviously with how they've gone, it's brilliant how how they've gone. There's certain parts I like more than others. Uh, so now it has got that excitement. But at the time, it was pretty much you know your additions was you'd get excited over if you got. Uh, Blood Angels Tactical Squad or something like that, which you know you'd love, but the heresy for me. I'm just, all right. This is not going to be great podcasting because I'm going to show Pete a picture. In in one of the White Dwarfs <laughs> recently, you got a uh, a nostalgic comic uh, White Dwarf, and on the back it's got Ultramarines Blood Angels fighting orcs. Obviously, or second edition or. <laughs> the old metal models and obviously everything's better now but heresy gave me that there's an excitement when i look at that picture that heresy gives me that at the time 40k just wasn't it, there was so much uh, the stories were getting revealed so everything was new you know it, <laughs> all of a sudden i mean some of the don't think before the heresy it really explained uh ferris manastein did it no you just knew that um fulgrim had killed him uh and i think that i think they'd always said fulgrim beheaded him i think that had always been part of the story from what i can recall but you didn't you never got the sense of why yeah. you didn't really understand or, or how, or or any of that. And you didn't even know that there was best friends at that. No, that yeah. Was another little bit of heresy between them that they, there was best buds. And let's let's. I think one thing is with everyone always overlooks, and I like uh, Ferris is he actually won that fight, but the to kill his brother was such a horrific nature he couldn't bring himself to do it whereas mm. Fulgrim now such qualms the bastard well it, it, but this is it it wasn't Fulgrim was going to turn his sword it was the sword itself wasn't it it was the yeah. demon possessed sword that essentially cuts the head off of uh, Ferris Malice Fulgrim himself was um, he was unable to bring himself to do it and kind of yeah. released they have that whole story about how they have to exercise or try and exercise a demon out of Fulgrim, and it turns out he's already exercised the demon out of himself and blah blah. So, I, but one, I think, going back to the narrative, that one of my favourite parts of, uh, I think I've got three favourite parts in the Heresy. One of them is where they have a big council meeting, and Fulgrim sub there. Logar's just staring at him. He's like, <laughs> and he just leaps over and starts bashing him with his mace. Yeah. Because Angron's going, you're a pussy, you're a pussy. And then all of a sudden he does that. It's like, oh, this, this meeting's going interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just that's that's right after Istvan uh, 5, isn't it? Yeah. Just that the, they've won that battle. Yeah. And Logar sees that it's not full room. Yeah, I love yeah. that scene. That scene is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great scene. But but that's what the game allows us to do. Yeah. The game allows us um, to, to to bring to life these moments. I mean, our one of my favorite games was when you came over to Germany when I was living over there and we played uh, the we made up that mission about the refueling station, the night yeah. refueling station. And there was a defensive line to get through manned by base humans. There was mechanicum forces trying to protect the, the, the night that was being refueled, you know, and we put in all these different little narrative elements to ourselves that if, you know, the night, the pilot can get into the night. Yeah. Um, so the pilot, can... it was, uh, lot, it was a short board edge deployment. Mm. So the first, first my, obviously, my army would be on just at the edge. So Pete would have first turn because he obviously sees it coming. So he can move his forces. But there's a whole trench line using uh, the Wall of Martyrs going across the whole uh, board edge, which yeah. Lud Angels would have to break. They, they couldn't just jump over. They'd have to break that uh, wall manned by uh, people. So there was even some rules that was like, well, how does this work? Uh, yeah. You know, when assaulting walls and stuff, you know, if someone's above you, they're not an assault. It's like, well, the wall doesn't get an attack, but I reckon you should get shooting down, you know? So yeah. even in assault, you shoot, you shoot in the hordes that was uh, placing melter bombs on the walls and stuff. There was uh, transport pads, and then I liked one of the bits where it's like, well, if I blow up, because you had to blow up, the object was blow up as many buildings and the night to basically just destroy uh, this refueling station. And even yeah, though I had right. an orbital bombardment, and you had your man in the open, he's like, well, they probably wouldn't even look at him to blow you up they'd probably go for one of the refueling things or something like mm, that mm. and i loved when one of them blew up it's like well hang on if that blows up does he pass down the pipe and it's like oh that's yeah, a good that idea <laughs> and all yeah. of a sudden all these explosions was just happening and that was all just oh wouldn't it be cool if this happened and yeah the game just evolved around that and it was so much yeah. fun purely because it was all not oh, well, I need to do this objective, I need to do that. It was just, well, I don't think the Blood Angels would do that. I don't think they would ignore that squad over there. Oh, you're just staring. Well, all my Blood Angels will have to go for them. They, you know, that's the pride of Horus. Yeah, They'd be it, wanting yeah. to kill them at all costs. That was it. The, um, it yeah, it really captured the idea of, a, of, a, of Space Marines launching a strategic strike on on an on a sector asset yeah and on, i think on a battlefield rather than if you play games like that you'll always win because if you read the fluff or the books or anything like that you'll see the the spaceman they'll go out for a mission but all of a sudden if someone's one of horus's top captains come along they'll go we need to kill him at all costs yeah you know it the mission starts becoming forgotten because they just want to kill that. Yeah, it, it's that evolving nature of a battle. Yeah. You know, that as, as things 
present themselves as targets of opportunity arise as 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 setbacks happen you adapt and you change what you're going for i mean that that i love that game because of what we were saying there it's well well actually why doesn't surely that's a promethean fuel line so you've just blown up the (laughs) the um fuel head at the end why is that not having a train reaction all the way down and then we have a chain reaction where things are just blown up you've got buildings being hangars being taken out bastions being taken out walls of you know being held by militia and it's that evolving nature so you've got i mean the way we played that game you you had a baseline of normal human dregs that are defending the perimeter and then you've got some mechanicum phallax um and uh tech priests who are you know the sacristans that are looking after the night itself and are in the inner circle and then you've got horace these guys deep striking off of their own battle barge because the blood angels have turned up on the battle trying to take out this that's it fuel dumps ammo dumps being taken yeah. out and you'd have the barrels Command. you'd shoot and they, they would explode uh, yeah that's it you know you had workshops being destroyed you had vehicles coming what was it we had a crashed um lander lander yeah. and they had details of the future plans in and yeah that's I it had and he had them, uh... the tractor as well that was slowly <laughs> made his way the tractor. yeah so but just building that narrative game and that's what the the heresy to me is it's a game of patience it's not a game of um it's not an arcade game and at the moment <clears throat> 8th edition 40k is a is an arcade shooter and for me Age of Darkness rule set 30k is a strategy game oh, oh we shouldn't go into 8 versus 7 because I know uh, uh, there's two there's two of our friends who and that's, love that and I think if we was to have that we should do it but that's not yeah but that's show. not a, that's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that the the reason why this game for me at the moment holds my attention more is because it allows greater detail. I think. Well, I was just going in to the, say in the narrative, not I in the, not in the gameplay yeah. mechanics. Yeah, I don't it, think but in the narrative, anything wrong with the seventh edition rules? I think he was just when 40k was. He was the formations. The broke seventh. It weren't the rules themselves. That's why I think people fell out a lot of love with seventh edition because of the formations. But do you believe that now? Obviously, the heresy is when did it got released? Uh, I mean, a fair few years ago now, isn't it? Eight years. Eight or something? years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, do you still think the heresy is just seen now? Do you still think it's a narrative scene, or do you think there has come elements of uh, win at all costs in it? So, um, I think overwhelmingly it's still narrative. What I think has happened is you have had people with a win at all costs mentality port over. So, I have not seen a game of 40... I have not seen someone walk away from a game of 30k and be disappointed. Even even when they've lost. I've not seen anyone walk away from it going, I hate this game. This is... This is 
I can't stand it. I still see people in in 40k games. And I'm talking. I'm not talking about tournaments. I'm talking about in a games workshop or at Warhammer World. And I'm quite lucky. You're quite lucky as well. We get to play at Warhammer World quite a lot. We see people playing all sorts of games on the tables there. You see people walk away unhappy with the game because there are mechanics in the rules that now or ways of playing that allow people to to not they're not playing to narrative they're playing a game mm. we are not playing a game in the set in the sense of we're, we're, this is what we're doing it's not a chess game it's not a computer game we're we're making a story on the field and I think the Horus Heresy rule set, by having force organizational structures that prevent you being able to build certain ways without being penalized, means that you are always able, no matter who turns up and how broken their list is, you're still able to compete against them and create a narrative. Yeah. So I could turn up with a, a Justerian army, nothing but Justerian. It's going to be a small force on the battlefield, but it may, you can justify it. You could say Abaddon's leading it. You could say a captain or a, a, a chieftain or even Horus himself is leading this force. But you're only going to have four or five squads. Yeah, they're going to be powerful. But if I'm facing 120 tactical marines with 30 terminators, as you said earlier, I'll get my ass handed to me as I'm crossing the board. I'll get shot yep. to shit. I'll lose loads of Terminators, especially the way I roll once. Um, but then when I get into combat, I'll start turning the table. And narratively, it's it's that small elite force doing exactly what it's supposed to do, and you can build the story around it. But it's not that powerful. There's still enough. But it's going back to that 80% casualties. Yeah, you know, precisely. There's, yeah. You will... As you hit that uh, his squads, because even if you've only got two terminators, and you hit a, a twenty-man tactical squad or something, you kill a few. They they're not able to return as many. They only have to fail that leadership check, and all of a sudden you can wipe out that whole twenty-man squad with two. Absolutely, you know, and that's a massive portion of marines. Then all of a sudden. I had that chieftain. Yeah, I had a Reaver chieftain in one of my games who they charged, Reaver squad charged a tactical squad that shot to shit on the way in by Overwatch. It was so, so painful that I lost three blokes on the way in or whatever it was. And then, first round of combat, basically, by the second round of combat, uh, sorry, by my opponent's turn, because I managed to charge, at the end of my opponent's turn, there was only my chieftain left. Stayed, didn't break, blah, brilliant. For the next three round, three turns, so my go, his go, my go, his go, my go, his go, that guy just would not break, was killing two two guys a turn um, with his attacks, or three guys a turn, actually, uh, for some of those turns. Um, and you just, like, in your head, you just saw this bloke trying to pat you know desperately fighting they, they he was going to die there was no way he was not going to survive and in the end he was brought down and killed but you you could picture this 
absolute fucking murderer laying into salamanders around him, trying to defend himself in this building. You could you could visually see how it was happening, how the fight was unfolding. Yeah. Whilst these little models are sat in a building, you could but the back and forth in our dice roll, my opponent and I, like Mike and I, were rolling dice. And each time there was excitement. There was real excitement about, oh, what's going to happen? And will I save my armor? Oh, hey, I saved. You know, all that kind of There was real joy in the game. But And there was a nuance to the game. It was, it was, a, it's about the story that was being told, not about, right, now I've, now I've wiped you out and I'm moving four inches this way and I'm, obje- I'm claiming that objective. And that didn't matter. None of that mattered. The honor of the fight mattered. I mean, yeah. I remember uh, I played, I've played some brilliant games in Warhammer Wars. And I came to this one table. It was the last game of the tournament. And it was a Death Guard player. And he had uh, all tanks allied with about four knights and i come to it obviously mine's all about assault i looked at him i said to him i says oh, i can't do anything against this i says you know i haven't got anything that can take out knights i says I've, i struggle with that amount of armor and i thought oh, is this going to be an enjoyable game i think it was the best game of that weekend because it was all you know I was constantly battling, and I, I killed. I think I killed all his tanks. I brought down two of his, down two of his knights. On, and really, when you looked at my force, you'd have gone, "There's no chance of that. Absolutely no <laughs> chance." But because Horus Heresy does play well, that everything can have a chance against other things. I mean, granted, I lost. You know, I, I did lose, and uh, I think I got wiped out. <laughs> but it was my favourite game of the whole event. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. So was, he played it as well. He says, I don't think uh, this would do this. He says, so I'm going to do this. Rather than playing to win, he was just playing. He says, I, he says, I just love tanks. He says, and I love knights. He says, you know, he says, it's, it's not made to bash face. He says, to be honest with you, he says, I've lost quite a lot of my games. But when you <laughs> looked at his list, you thought, Oh, I'm okay with this, but how they how they wrote the rules, it was just brilliant. It was just so yeah. back and forth. Mm, mm. I mean, that's the I mean that's the question back to you then, Gaz. I mean, you asked me, do I think it's um, it's become more win at all costs? I mean, do you think that's what's happening? Uh, no, I think I think there's definitely an element of there's better units out there, which is why I was saying uh, earlier, you know, you never see recon squad. And the other uh, week I was speaking to one of my mates who plays Heresy, and I says, oh, I'm making a Seeker squad. I says, I'll never see Seeker squads unless you're playing Alpha Legion. I says, but, you know, I played them against you, and that was brilliant. Yeah. I says, and he said, well, he says, actually, he says, I've, I've just recently uh, played a Space Wolf player who had a secret squad he said enough he says after playing him he, he says i just thought why aren't people playing these you know they, they can do so much and i think yeah. there's there's definitely 
an element of well I wouldn't say win at all cost I'd say maybe fine-tuned there's a lot of armies have been fine-tuned to win their certain which you always get it's like me I want to play jump packing you know so I will evolve my list all around my jump packs mm. and I think that has been the case but just because my blood angels have got jump packs doesn't mean the seeker squad isn't a bad choice for me you know there's there's so much in them rules that allow different options of you want to supply as an enemy well why don't you take uh, outriders all of a sudden in a blood mm -hmm. you know there's so much of that that's in in the rule set now yeah there's um so what i've what I do think is happening is there's a lot of uh, internet listing. There's a vocal, a vocal element online that would look at rules and pull rule sets apart and go, "Why would you ever take this? This is rubbish." Blah blah. But I don't think that transpires into the actual. It certainly where we are, into games being played that way. Yeah, I mean, there's so many tournaments i look at and it says this is a narrative event straight away this is a narrative event or they'll say send us your list first we'll look at it and if we think oh, hang on a minute this is you know this goes against what we stand for then yeah and i do it's it's good to see i think the heresy scene is definitely a scene of encouragement yeah say, rather than and I think it, I think there's leads to the other element that I wanted to touch on, which is the models. And by the models, I don't just mean um, the physical resin bits that we play with, but the whole sort of hobby techniques that go into making those models look and and feel different to to forty k miniatures, mm. which is where when I was saying earlier about the realistic stylings that get that are applied invariably i've seen a couple of really nice heresy armies that are done in the really bright games workshop cartoon yeah i mean that's a bit a bit harsh calling it cartoon but that that style of box art that you see for 40k really bright colors goblin green goblin green someone actually Phony. did that yeah. didn't he? Saw, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So, it looks fantastic as well yeah so, but um, you know, so it's a more gritty, realistic-looking game on the table. Tanks are invariably weathered. There's a lot more airbrushing on heresy armies that I see. I'm not saying that you don't see that for um, for 40k armies, but there's a lot of airbrushed elements on um, of heresy armies because it's resin uh, and it's easier to paint that way. Uh, for some people, I mean, I use a lot of normal brush. I do have an airbrush that I use as well, but I use mainly brushwork. Um, but the models themselves, I think because you've got to invest that little bit more into the hobby because you're working with resin or you're working with upgrade sets or whatever, um, I think having, uh, having to take that time, that effort means people care more um and it's invariably 
use that word a lot, it seems, at the moment. But it does seem to make a difference um, and, and helps to bring to life the, the game that we're talking about. Yeah, so I think as a, as a hobbyist, I would say that uh, playing Heresy and seeing other people's results of what they're doing, it's definitely made me a better painter, made me a better hobbyist, you know. There's a lot more care into the detail that I go into uh, now than when I did say did 40k models and now I don't want to bash on 40k because if I went to 40k yeah, I'd no, do exactly course, yeah. the same. All I'm saying is I think there's a and I think at the start, let's face facts, is it's an expensive hobby. It's a very expensive. Uh, yeah. You know, there's no gain around that, especially at the start when there was no plastic kits. Everything was uh, resin. You had to look at the ways you did things was uh, the Forge World bundles of, oh, you can buy 20 tactical marines and basically you got something like three bolters for them all because you <laughs> didn't even get weapons. You only got the men themselves. So I think when you had that such a uh, high costing to start that army there was a lot more people maybe i don't want to use the word professional but a lot more uh hobbyists were into that because they like you said they wanted the marks they wanted the the matching people's a lot oh I'm, I'm, it's not like buying a 10-man tactical squad of plastics yeah. where you think ah oh, yeah i'll just spray them all one color and then i can just add a bit and three color minimum all of a sudden i'm done because you're you were spending so much money on the models themselves you wanted to do them just this you yeah, wanted precisely. to take your time you wanted to yeah the things. diligence yeah yeah. Uh, yeah yeah that's exactly what i suppose that's exactly what i was trying to get to the it was like an elite level not as in the people that were playing it are elite yeah but what you were trying to do was be elite, you know, yeah, you push were, yourself. You was a part of a very small community. Yeah, part of a niche of a niche community. Yeah, and especially and, when you yeah. look at some some people's work, and you'd think, oh, I'm up, you know, I'm up against that, or maybe not up against it, but you just wanted to try and get yourself that bit better, so you know, you you didn't fall too far behind mm. and i mean like i said when some of the kits came out i mean i remember when the ashen circle came out and they're still today one of my favorite sets of models mm. i looked at them and thought they look absolutely brilliant yeah you know you just wanted to do it all justice no yeah. matter how good a painter or you were you've improved that's it that's it. And you started to see so many weird and wonderful things being produced, like Volkite weapons. We all know I love Volkite. Chum, 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 chum. Just to annoy some, uh, some friends of ours. Um, but, I, you know, that a death ray gun, you know, death ray gun was, it was fantastic to see. Cyborgs, you know, the phallax and whatnot coming out, these spindly armored black visored um robots tiny skulls inside a massive castellax type thing 
these type of models that you hadn't seen, uh, contempt of dreadnoughts, just all these elements, and then you've got Primarchs and you know what. You remember that moment when someone says, uh, "So you're doing the Horus Heresy?" Yeah. So are we going to see Custodes? Well, of course, that was part of the Heresy, and everyone like, <gasps> you know, those yeah, totally different. And they, I mean, can you? Can you remember how much excitement there was when they got <sighs> finally released? Well, it, it, mate, it wasn't. If you remember, it was a white dwarf. There was a leaked cover of a white dwarf, but there was the um, there was a sticker, not sticker. There was like a little, one of those white dwarfs where you got like pin badges on them because it was the uh, Burning of Prospero box was coming out, and so the little stick, the little. Uh, pin badge that you were going to get or whatever it was that was in the little flappy bit in front of the white dwarf was over the front of one of the custodies so you couldn't see properly what he looked like when that leaked and you just had everyone going ah there's a plume and a spear ah, ah we're gonna get custodies yeah, the, the, the joy it, that went around the community would, was amazing to be honest i would have loved to have been in games workshop at that at them precise moments you know mm. you'd love to be in that room when they said right this is what we can do yeah. Just that little bit, we'll put a pin badge over him, so and we'll leak that. Just because <laughs> they know straight away. One, it's slightly annoying, but it gets everyone so much more hyped up. And I think Games Workshop with the hype train do it brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I do. I absolutely do. And I think that goes for all their games and for all their systems. But yeah, that I just remember that part. And then I just I think to myself about the whole about this hobby. You know, the look at the plethora of podcasts that are out there now, and blogs and Instagram accounts and whatnot that are solely dedicated to to the Horus Heresy. Not forty k. I mean, there's plenty of forty k podcasts as well, probably more than there is in Heresy. But you know, there are amongst the community. There's some big. You know, you've got the Imperial Truth, you've got the Eye of Horus podcast, you've got the Rangian Heresy. Age of Darkness podcast. You got um, uh, there's that um, bad. Like, what are they called? You're going to upset so many people if you don't. Uh, I don't their, uh, list the, <laughs> list, list all their, their podcasts. Podcast, yeah. Was it Sons of Heresy as well? You've got um, uh, there's another Swedish one. I can't think what it's called. You've got Road to Damnation podcast. You got um, even though they don't really. <laughs> I mean, they're still top 30k, but they move on to wider war gaming. You had that Radio Free Istvan, Ryan Kimmel and, and Michael and whatnot. So, but you look at that, that is a, that is not a hobby. That's a niche hobby that's doing really well. And you look online and you look at some of the Instagram accounts, you look at that of both professional painters as well as, um, army like commission painters and uh, just what people themselves are posting up you know that hard for heresy hashtag has thousands and thousands and thousands yeah, of and posts so i can just sit there just looking at artwork yeah, like I says, it's, it's a bit breaking because you see someone else's blood angels and you think oh, another legion yeah. i remember this is going back obviously a few uh one one or two black books now or more and i took my uh, Blood Angels to an event and straight away I always walk around all the armies and there was another Blood Angels player 
Friends, oh, you wanker. Yeah, what, what? He says, I can't even say I've got the best painted blood angels at the event. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I said, I was hoping there's no other blood angel players so I could say, I've got the best painted blood angels at this event. <laughs> and, and the problem was, he was a great... Uh, Golden Demon winner, <laughs> so you can guess how good well those yeah. painted are. Oh, fuck. But that's the. That, but even that, in that, there's a joy of seeing another Blood Angels army. You as a yeah. Blood Angels player look at that guy's army, and you are you see, you'll see more in his army than I as an Ultramarine slash Sons of Horus player as, will see. As, especially as a Blood Angel, there were certain units he took. Which obviously I didn't, and he had a second fire raptor. I love my fire raptor. Yeah. Uh, another one of my favourite scenes is the fire raptors rise, rising up. Ah, uh, on dwell. Yeah. yeah. That is. Yeah. Uh, our mate Lee said, "There's a scene." He says, "I'm not going to say anything." He says, "I'll know when you've read it." And you just got a text message through saying. I'm buying three prior raptors. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm buying two more. I already had one at that stage. But it's like, I'm buying two more fire rafters. And it's so, absolutely brilliant. So I harbour a bit of a dream about one day making a diorama of, uh, so it'd be, you know, a, the top of a building. And with those new, I tell you what, the, the new kits that are out in terms of terrain that. Um, the terrain this game made is just unreal amazing stuff so i harbored this dream of building one where i'd have you know the man reaper or whatever the scythe is called embedded in the front the chain running all the way down and and then having um uh mortarian holding that with horus leaping out <laughs> i don't know how to do it some sort of wire trick but horus leaping um onto the front of that fire uh, fire raptor with world breaker above his head yeah like, i just i remember just, reading go just fly higher fly higher you <laughs> yeah, yeah just pull back a bit yeah. further <laughs> jump range more <laughs> it's like what would you do but, but to, yeah, be, the, to be fair like it says but back about the uh writers they made that really good as well because they had the doubt in horrors going i should be dead here why aren't i yeah. dead and you would feel the shadows protecting him you go what? yeah what's happening here what's something yeah so many cool i mean that see oh one of my favorite scenes was um uh sevatar riding the the jet through space when he goes and boards the other ship and he's like yeah. he's like he's over the intercom to his mate it's like whoa do you see how i got here <laughs> even he thinks it's pretty fucking gnarly to ride a fighter through space to board an enemy ship. I was like, wow, that is a cool scene. There's so many cool little yeah. scenes like I love in that. There. I was one about the Shattered Legions when uh, the Alpha Legion pretend to be Medusa. And we've got my two favourite characters in in that uh, book. It's the Iron Hands bloke and his friend, the I Raven Guard. Oh, yeah, uh, Sharokin. Uh, yeah, and they're going down and he's, he's gone... Yep, I've told the Raven Guard, you've you've got to be the first person on reducing. Don't worry, he'll listen to me. And then he goes, well, he obviously hasn't. And he's already dropping down onto the yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. The Raven yeah. Guard was like, yeah, fuck reducing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. There's so many cool... It's like, what's the... Um, 
There are loads of little elements. Yeah. I quite like. I've been reading. I mean, I know you've just read Plague War as well. I've read Plague War and uh, Dark Imperium and, and Plague War for the 40k setting. And I, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not opposed to 40k in any way, shape, or form. I'm not opposed to the setting uh, because there's some really cool elements in that Plague War. Mm. I, I think uh, the Heresy gives so much that they can explore as well. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. And I think, especially with going back to what we were talking about, like gameplay and stuff, people that went, oh, I love the Lunar Wolves, but, you know, I don't really like traitors. All of a sudden, uh, Black Library says, well, actually, here's rules for you to play Lunar Wolves and then just to be a branch off that don't know about the heresy, come back. You know, probably they're all Terran and gone, well, hang on a minute. We're still loyal to the Emperor. And you've got them Shattered Legions uh, things for fighting. Mm. And it's brilliant. And I think the another part with the heresy is just because you're a traitor or you're a loyalist doesn't mean that you like your friends next to them. You know, the allies list. You know some of yeah. the, some of the yeah. models that hate each other. You know play so it doesn't it doesn't make for one and the same. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I can have my sons of Horus giving all these buffs to my world eaters. No, no, that doesn't work like that. No, that's it. I mean, but I just think that the model range that they've brought out is amazing. It's just fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. So the... what, what is your favourite model that's generic, open to all legions? Mm. Uh, I've got a bit of a thing. I don't have any. I know you've got some, I think. Um, the retro land speeder. Mm. That's quite, you know, um, uh, you know, you were talking about nostalgia. So I've got, for my Ultramarines legion, I've got a load of the metal Mark II land, raider, uh, land speeders. That's my favourite one with a little bit of the fronts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love so that. I've, I've got five of them for my ultramarines. I love that. Uh, I wish I brought that for the heresy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that little gum shield thing that goes on the front. Um, so, uh, so I've always had a thing for land speeders because of that, um, and so I like that new one. Uh, but I, I think it, oh, it's, it's torn between the the contempt of dreadnought and. Cataphracty Terminators, mm. just generic ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because I mean, I remember when I, the Sikoran first come out, and I was just mm. like, I need that. I need that right now. That is, it's just so different to anything there was before. And yeah. then, like you say, the Leviathan from the uh, Contemptor come out, and it was just brilliant because it was just so different from. Mm. Uh, I do think the classic Dreadnought is one of the best models GW have ever released. You can see exactly. that by how, you know, yeah. it stood the test of time. It's definitely one of the best ones. But, you know, all of a sudden, these different Dreadnoughts was just absolute. And then the fire have to come out. <laughs> I always hate the Storm Eagle purely because the Blood Angels got the Storm Raven. So, Forge World Dreadnought will release the Storm Eagle, which probably how the. Uh, Storm Raven should have looked, and then the yeah, Reds, yeah, yeah, Blood Angels can't use it. <laughs> <laughs> so what? <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, for me, I think the the Contemptor is just so iconic. But yeah. so for me, Cataphractic Terminators are so iconic as well. I mean, um, there's so much in the range that they've brought out. And I mean, remember when the Spartan came out and how big he was and everyone just... I mean, he's still one of the favourite models people have got. But it's that hype around their models when they came out. It, I mean, like the Termite recently. So many yeah. love was for that. And I, I love the... I like seeing that. I like I like the excitement of when something oh, comes out. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, absolutely. Go I, on, sorry. I love the uh, dome. Just the plain dome Predator tanks. Because they remind me back of second edition Predators. And I always yeah. love the look of them, and I think oh, I, I, there's so much about it I love, and that that's the problem for me because then I, I'm looking at them all in the nice display cabinet of Forge World, thinking I want one of them. Mm. I might even add two or three at home, but I'm, I, I then start thinking, well, if I can have one, I can make a nice squadron, or you know, <laughs> and, and how yeah. cool would you know a squadron of such and such going across the table? really cool that would oh yeah i've definitely got to do that i might have to get a predator now <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, pla there... the plasma predator Fuck me, that's, yeah that's dangerous things three small blasts oh. that kills so much and he's so cheap yeah. as well yeah but again this is a i mean rapier batteries mate yeah rapier batteries just look on a zone mortalis board as well just Oh, amazing model. An amazing model. But that's what I mean. That For me, you have a rich storyline that has enough sandbox elements to it that it allows you to, to go wild. You have an overarching, but set within an overarching story that you understand the beginning, middle, and the end of it. You have uh, a game a community of players playing a game that brings that to life with a model range that visually captures the artwork and the story that, that you have in your head. So the three elements come together as a sort of Klaus Fitzian triangle of, of perfect theory of war um, to create just everything that as a child I hoped I would one day get to do mm. and then bring into that the Adeptus Titanicus game which is still set within the same um, epoch yeah. but but allows you to fight war at a different scale and the idea that you um, can interlink them as well yeah ah oh. All we need now is a is a is a space fleet game. Yeah, which they've <laughs> always talked about doing. They've always talked about doing. So. I mean, even going back to the black books, there's so much. Oh, yeah, you want to write, do a campaign? Here you go. Is is rules, and it's brilliant that you get so much in them black books for doing oh. things like that. That oh, you want to make your own character? Yeah, yeah. Just after a few games, you can bring him up That's at it. least. That's it. Here's some relics that you could you could yeah. get. Yeah, have a nanite blaster. What? What? <laughs> you know, uh, you want to play with base humans? Here you go. Here's how you do a cults and militia list. Yeah. You want you want a, 
an army of remorseless death dealing robots here you go here's how you do a mechanicum um auto cybernetica list yeah. you know here's an auto reductor list if you want i mean loads of art- there's so much i mean there's that yeah. uh there's the iron hands they're all dead and they're actually just robots yeah and really but... you can do that in the books that they've brought out there's ways around making the... oh i love that idea well, mm. you know the rules are in there that's it yeah go in go in uh, and you have models that allow you to 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 make that happen and even with slight conversion there's so many bits now out there even if you look at even if you pulled from the necromunda range it's fantastic it i just there is nothing about this hobby and this system I ain't even talking about the rule set. I'm talking about yeah. the game as an idea that that does not get my juices flowing. Yeah, and this isn't to say this is exclusive to Horus Heresy. You know, people say can say this about their own gameplay, but it's just our views on. I mean, yeah. Horus Heresy. This I've been looking at this uh, lad that I follow on Instagram, and he's doing his sanguinous and he's doing it red with bits of gold and it looks so good and it's just like it's it's his own design he's thought well hang on i I quite like i'd like a bit more blood angel to him a bit more red and it looks fantastic Uh, absolutely brilliant and i look at him and think yep i'm not going to do mine like that because mine will be shit Oh, you need to paint him up, mate. You need to get him on the table. I want Horace versus Sanguinius. I want to get my uh, airbrush out, but until we move, yeah, it's less and less likely. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, every time, and if obviously this is now good for our uh, listeners abroad. I've, I know we've got some in Belgium and America. I always like looking at the American ones as well. Because <laughs> some of their places they're called are so weird. So like, where the hell is that? I've never heard of that. <laughs> if you can get to a Warhammer world and you just go to the Heresy corner or just the buzz, and like I said, not just Heresy. If you was into Age of Sigmar or anything like that, it'd be the same. There's an excitement. There's a buzz there that I there's no matter what. I always come out thinking. Oh, I just want to get back painting, or I want to get gaming, or you know, there's such an excitement. Yeah, there's um, oh, it just when it's you... just so many little bits that yeah. just make me happy to be be doing this. I mean, oh. this, this is just. I mean, when we woke up today, like my wife's gone on holiday while I go to work tonight, but I spoke to Pete now an hour before the podcast, talking random shit. We're now over three hours onto the podcast, and it's just like I still feel we could talk all night essentially. Just talk because the hobby just excites us that much. The, mate, there is, you know, every now and then I'll go back to the books, like the big black books, and look at like the little red boxes or the little side elements and think, why? Wow that that i just want to talk about this now for for the next half hour um because it opens up so many ideas it opens up so many avenues for you to 
to want to explore. Book eight, with all the stuff about um, the nature of the Empyrean and the warp and psychic manifestations and the timeline and the Imperial truth and the, you know, there's a bit in there about Gilliman doing experiments with the Ultima Task Force, um, trying to weaponize demonology, essentially. It's there are so many little parts that I just want to be able to talk about that yeah, are mean, actually probably the basis of other shows. It's 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 like the demons. I've got no interest in chaos. I've never have, but now reading them rules and how they're just so alien, they're totally different. I'm ex- so excited by demons. I'm mm. more gutted I haven't got enough money in the bank because otherwise, if I had it, I would definitely have boxes and boxes of demons coming. And the only, well, oh, I wouldn't know what colour to paint them. I think you'd have to go dark, like a, a dark brown or <laughs> black. You know, you got demons. But I tell you what, I saw a really cool black and white, sort of monochrome demon army once. Yeah, black and white. It was so it was done like a dream state. So because mm. apparently you can only dream in black and white. This guy had painted his demons using black and white. It sounds weird, but it was like. The way he did it, it was like a, um, oh, you have to, you have to like a sketch. Yeah, I have a, I love a little thing because it was, like the idea behind it, and that that was several years ago. That was way before this now. So that was just a normal demons army in, the Matt Ward era of, <laughs> codexes. I mean, they, but something like that would be pretty damn cool. There's so much, that excites me. I want to do a Raven Guard army because I think Raven Guard and White Guards I always quite liked because there was a quieter, and I always liked Luther to be fair, of the Dark Angels. There was the quieter, you know, not many people played them and stuff like that. But then when the books came out, the Raven Guard, oh, so excited. And then White Guards, when that released, that, that's got to be one of the best written uh, legions, you know, how he changed them into. You know, the, he had a total open landscape, pretty much, didn't he? And how yeah, it's just yeah. made, made it, made what they became. I was just like, I want white scars. That so, funny enough, I was reading and reading something earlier today about them, and in fact, I read about. I was reading because I thought we might talk about White Scars. We'll do that next show, because we haven't done that part of thing. But I was reading about them in that, and then listening to uh, the Radio Free Istvan podcast, uh, and Michael, one of the hosts on there, was talking about doing a Black Shields army, but he wanted it to be a um, a White Scars sort of breakaway force. And essentially, they were talking about the uh, Stormlords chapter from 40K and using that color scheme, which is red, white, um, half and half armor and all this kind of stuff. And it just sounded so cool. And having just read loads of stuff about the white scars, etc. Yeah, I could see, I could see them as a cool army, but I've got loads of Raven card in bags from when me and you went to that weekend and you made me buy loads of more Dathan and, uh, don't worry. I've got some as well. The best thing is they've actually come down in price. People who say GW don't ever come down in price, believe me, we pay yeah. fifty quid for them more Davens, and they're about thirty now. 
I know, mate. I remember going into GW and saying, listen, I paid this for it. It's like, yeah, sometimes it goes that way. (laughs) Yeah, painful. Painful. I need to find that army. I'll put it up on the Facebook page if I can find it. Um, But yeah, it was really cool. Black and white demon army. But that's, I mean, there's so much, so much that we can do in this hobby so much that we can look at so much that we can um expand upon as we go it, it i know it will come to an end in terms of campaign books well said, um, they have said about 26 books so let's face facts we'll probably be dead before they all get yeah released. yeah we, yeah <laughs> you know, there's no way we'll go but the, so you've got nothing not a penny to your own apart from 26 black books <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't touch my black box. <laughs> Loads of resin. Yeah. yeah. And then hoping that your wife doesn't sell your kits for how much you said you paid. Oh, well, I've got a mate. And he, he keeps saying, he says, I'll oh, just once, when I move house, he says, I'm going to help you. He says, because I want to get into all your forge board boxes. And he says, I oh, know I can steal so much and just go off and paint it. And the, there you go, go. If that's your warlord. What? <laughs> <laughs> there is so much that you have got in boxes that you wouldn't know if i were to nick some of your stuff you wouldn't miss it <laughs> oh, to be fair i do i do know pretty much everything I've, i own for some my my for some reason my mind has got oh i've got this i've got this but there will be the occasion and i'll see something and go oh, i forgot i brought the one of them so i've I found another leviathan and then i thought oh yeah i do remember buying that actually it's in the box but now I've obviously got the blood angel of the vibes and so I'm like oh shit I've got to buy more anyway <laughs> so you've got how many blood angel leviathans have you bought you just got the one of them oh no I haven't got any of the blood angel ones yet I've got two oh, okay. two normal painted and a third in a box <laughs> and you're gonna get a blood angel oh yeah I'm, I'm minimum three <laughs> Wow, <laughs> you are gonna run. Uh, was it the Pride of the Ancients list or whatever? It I would is. love to run that. List. I've I've always loved dreadnoughts, box dreads. I, mm. I think are brilliant. I've always wanted to run. That oh, you need to you need to run that new console type. Yes, I've been looking, but like like I says at the moment, I'm trying to run things that you don't see very often, and I'm loving. I've, every time I read the vigilator. I, I'd love to. He's going to be such a little git. I can't wait to. So, so, do you know what? That's what we were talking about starting new armies, weren't we? And I've got that vigil operati list, or however you pronounce it, the the alternate ultramarine right of war, where it's um, uh, human and it's a bit like a dark compliance army human and ultramarines together isn't it yeah um and i i've got the list i've built half the squads for it i need to get back around and finishing that because you need to take a vigilator as part of your list it's one of the mandated choices hq choices how many many points have you got done of that army uh probably painted about about a thousand points I need another vanquisher for the list that I have. Um, I've got the 
So it's a a breach of squad in a in a land raider, two vanquishers, Lehman Rossies, uh, two recon squads, all with shotguns. Because it's like a police action, so you've got riot shields, that's why it's breaches. Um, you've got guys with shotguns, you've got grenadiers with uh, they've got gas grenades and their grenade launchers because they're going to try and put the riot down and all that kind of stuff. So it's done thematically. It's not done, uh, but I'd like to see how it would do on the tabletop. Mm. I don't know. For those of you can't see, I'm just laughing at the moment because I'm just imagining our friend Wesley's face when we're going so so off subject so many times. <laughs> it's all over the place. And even yeah. our friend Lee, who, who listened to, he says, "Yeah, he says I think." I think you do need a little bit more structure to your podcast. Wes yeah. was happy with me hearing that. And now me and Pete have done the next episode and it's there and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, we we do ramble. Yeah. Well, I, I can't help it. Like I said, the heresy just gets so excited. It's mm-hmm. I do think, well, me and uh, Lee are... Uh, Starting his own mortalis uh, painting thing, mm. and he's fired up. So maybe he should jo- join in a thousand points. Yeah, especially if you go make so you could have a half, half humans, half uh, ultramarines. So I could. I mean, the it it would work. I mean, I think if I was, go- I quite like the idea of making that. Uh, VO army as a standard, like, as a battlefield army, one that you can take well, onto the table. You could actually make your Raven Guard. I was thinking that. That's what I was just. Mortalis. Yeah. And then you, then you've done it. How much more of your Sons of Horus have you got to paint? Uh, so, I could, I can run a four thousand point list on the tabletop now, yeah. painted. There you go. That's that's, that's enough. So. Problem. But that's got no vehicles because we were playing <laughs> other than dreadnoughts because we were Centurion. Yeah, we were playing Centurion and I just kept painting more and more models. So and I've got enough infantry. I think there's another bit about how good the hobby is that Eye of Horus went out and made Centurion rule set by themselves. And I've, mm. well, obviously, help with from people play testing and stuff. And it's just become such a stable part of the heresy scene now. That even uh, the Forge World guys themselves have played it, and they talked about it the uh, weekend. That yes, we have played Centurion, mm-hmm. know about it, and once again, just just hobby uh, created. Yeah, that's and that's the beauty of the the not the community. That's the wrong word, but of the those that like this or. or love this game so much that they create i mean i was looking at some of the stuff the varangian um heresy guys do for their campaign sets and they've got the rules for destroyer land speeders rules for uh rbtas they've got rules for um civilians in the battle space and etc that they put together just the the sheer love and passion that people have for for heresy is just mind-blowing i mean when i talk about playing things in the past uh before the heresy era i would like to have gone to depticon but 
probably wouldn't have played because I think it's one of them so much going on I'd like to go around and see but I weren't that interested in going anywhere else speaking to some of the uh, guys who play in Sweden and stuff I want to go and go to their uh, tournaments and stuff like that and I'm thinking mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm I'm going away with my army to go and play some guys in you know another country where don't even speak our language <laughs> yeah primary language just because of the that scene that hobby scene i mean mainly have spoke about going to australia to you know playing one of the eye of horus uh things before and stuff and he it's so much so the wife even knows about it because she even started planning a holiday around well when you're playing your uh got men you can go we can go here or you know Little plastic men or whatever. <laughs> They're not plastic, they're resin racing. <laughs> yeah, important distinction. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. If I was going to... Empress Children, maybe? That is, that is one beautiful looking army, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking there's a little... Just as a little Zomal Talis. I've got loads of... Um, uh, the Necromunda bases. The Zomal Talis bases. Uh, for Goliaths, I, you know, I could do a couple of squads of some Empress children. Because I take it, are you just going to stay with? Are you staying Blood Angel? Are you? No, I'm doing uh, Solo Exilia. Oh, okay. I'm finally oh, okay. going to get them banged out. Your red coats. Yeah, my red coats. Yeah. Purely because I've wanted to do them for ages, and yeah, you know, and we feel they starting a new. Uh, force i think when you t- say if i was to do blood angels it's i can easily go to units i've already got or you know i'm not really starting a new force myself so i thought yeah just do red coats straight off mm. and those yeah those who are wondering why they're going to be red coats is back back in there we we've not really said this but we all kind of met through uh the 40k radio when that back in spencer days kind of thing and got talking through mm-hmm. that uh and red coat used to annoy so many of the americans on the free booter forum i says i want to go to a deck con with a red coat army just to annoy him some yeah. more <laughs> so, <laughs> that's why they gave me re- nothing like stoking the fire <laughs> no that's i mean that's the yeah that is how we became friends isn't it we yeah. all listened to uh 40k radio and we're all on the freebooters forum yeah and once again that's that's another part of i mean that's going back to 40k so it just shows it's amazing how many people you meet at a tournament that you quickly become friends with and yeah you know you consider mates and purely just by playing the hobby you know playing the games and then all of a sudden some of your best mates will be people you play against and you know there's so many lads that i talk to now that i've seen at uh events and that said me are oh, you coming to this event we'll go out on on a night and stuff like this or come round and and it's purely all started from the love of the hobby yeah yeah that and i mean those those heady days that's where you know, we were listening to that podcast. They were talking about heresy as it was starting to come out. You know, they're talking about bathtub. 
dreadnoughts, weren't they, for contemptors See, I'm, and all I'm that kind of thing. one now, to be honest, and I still like it. I love them. I chose yeah, it. I think it's purely because you remember uh, Space Crusade. Remember yes. the dreadnoughts in that? Oh man, they were some of the best looking models ever. They were. No, so that's. I mean, that's why Vorax looks so cool to me now as yeah. well, because of that game. But the, uh, yeah, and then. You know, we would all chat away on that forum. We'd see people's armies being painted, done, and, you know, yeah. Like I say, I'd love to be in that games workshop scene, especially when the designer goes, right, I've finished this model, and they just bring it out, and it's something like... I mean, can you imagine when... I'd like to think of a room, (laughs) you know, a boardroom, all the hobbyists around the corner and stuff like around the table. The designer comes out and says, "Right, finish that greenness." Painters always painted in. It's all done. There's only two of us who know why those look like and why. It's, and then they just take off the veil, and that initial excitement, you know, yeah. I'd love to be to feel that buzz because to, to be fair, it's like how we see the weekend when they announce a new model and you hear the car go <gasps> yeah you know yeah 100% mate 100% you like when the stormbird first come come out and they showed a picture going into of a rhino going into the back of it and everyone's going this is massive <laughs> god do you know what I, I still oh I'm so tempted to get a stormbird do you want do it I've got one you haven't I have of course I have. <laughs> two Thunderhawks. I know you have. I'm well aware. I've, yeah, oh, I've got I've got one of the very first ones that came out. You don't get a certificate anymore, which I'm gutted no. about. I would have liked certificates to have carried on. But yeah, mm. the first... I went to an event. It wasn't the Horus Heresy weekend when he came out. It was, I think it was just like an no, open day it? at uh, Warhammer World. Yeah, it was. And it's the one where they were selling off all the Warhammer fantasy stuff, wasn't yeah. it, as well? And I got there. And I went up, and I knew the answer because I, I don't know if I'd done a night shift or something. I'd got there a little bit, or probably I had started queuing since like three o'clock in the morning, mm. and there was a load of people before me. And I said, "Right, uh, you're going left." <laughs> no, he says they sold out within the first twenty minutes. I was like, oh, "Okay," and uh, I was at home, and Lee sent me. Uh, a message saying get on twitter now he says i've already tagged you in it and i've already f- sorted it all out and i went on twitter and they tweeted that someone his wife and... had seen the price and got forced him to return it and he was only about two or three days late, later and on strand found is he still there yes i says right can you hold it for 45 minutes i says i'm gaining the car now <laughs> and i literally <laughs> shot up there and brought it the hand point reserve, he was still on the bloody counter when I got there. <laughs> oh. I rang everyone up. Guess what? I've just brought. <laughs> and guess what's still sat in a box? To yeah. this day. <laughs> it's still in that box. Because I, I, I was speaking to the lads at Eye of Horus, and I just sent them all pictures of it all out the box, you know, so they could. Because he was so new, no one would, would have seen one over there. So it's just. Yeah. And I was yeah. like. Have you just gone to brother? It's like yes. <laughs> so have you even have you even had a, a resin bath? Have you washed it? No. <laughs> my uh, 
can't remember. But I'm sure he has. My Mastodon, I'm sure I've watched. But I've already agreed with myself. And I'll put it up on Twitter. Once once the move's done. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to do a big project. But I can't decide whether it should be Thunderhawk. Yeah. Uh, Warhound or Mastodon. Well, I'll paint your Mastodon for you if you want. Believe me, my mate Gary is, would be would hunt you down if you ever took any of the models before I let him paint them. And he paints them really? shit anyway, so. <laughs> no, he, do, he, do, he doesn't, but I always say to him, fucking hell, Gary, you're such a shit painter. Where he'll, he'll, he can knock out models like there's no tomorrow. He's the fastest painter I know. Really? Yeah. I tell you, the, yeah, that Mastodon. I'm so tempted to get one. I think the problem is, one of the lads I, I game with, he made a good point. He says, rules-wise, it's not very good. He says, there's no real reason. He says, I'd never use it in a game. He says, but I really want one. And one of the lads is buying some stuff off him. So he says, the only way I'm going to get this Mastodon, I says, he said, instead of giving me the money, he says, go and buy me the Mastodon. He says, because then I don't feel like I've brought it. Mm. And I, especially when seeing them on that uh, Blood Angel board. They look yeah. so good. And that's the thing. So I don't really mind that it's rubbish in the game. I'd only, I'd only take it to a game that was fighting a siege. I've, if that th- makes that's sense. that's yeah. the thing. I think it's got to come. If Forge World suddenly said, right, here you go. Here's some more uh, Fortress. I mean, do you remember yeah. that old fortress they used to yeah, be? Yeah, I'm yeah, gutted they yeah. don't have that table anymore at Warhammer yeah. World. Yeah, what happened to that table? I dare say it's, it's been taken off. You never see it anymore, do you? Yeah. So for, true, yeah. for those who don't know, the Forge World have got this, uh, the old fortress world where they, it's basically uh, a mechanic, um, yeah, explorer squad that's dig, found Eldar ruins and then all the walls are smashed in and everything's abandoned. It's by hints yeah. that obviously Eldar have come and killed everyone there. And the walls are fantastic. And I always, I always wanted them. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, it's that nice slope, isn't it? And big yeah. pointy sort of wizard style, wizard towers. Um, to be honest, I can remember, that was one of the things that never went into or if he did, I never saw it. The last chance to buy, because I think I remember going in to buy it, and there's like, oh yeah, we should oh, mate, do that. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you. I haven't. Uh, my that would have been going way back, wouldn't it, yeah. as well? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the yeah, my desire to. But that was before terrain was as white as now. Yeah, you know. You, to be fair, it wouldn't be that good now with the amount of terrain you've got over there. Terrain, today's terrain is just fantastic. It's it just absolutely... It does need it, though, because the armies are so beautiful. And with yeah. the terrain, it just means playing on the on the tables now, it's just a joy. You know, gone are the days where you had to play story in hills and stuff like that. Good it's, I mean, to be honest, you don't really even see hills very much nowadays, do you? No. You know, no. It's, there's so much out there. Yeah, so many city fights and whatnot as well. That's yeah. the. I do like um, I do like the realm of battleboard with the 
like when, that game we were talking about earlier when you came to Germany, we had the defensive line was built on the hill, wasn't it? Yeah. So you had yeah. to come over the hill and into the um, the uh, defensive area of the of the refueling bay. So I'm just looking at Ford World as we're speaking at some of the vehicles. Oh, guys, you're an ass. <laughs> the Mastodon. I'm just looking at the Mastodon. Oh. Well, go on. You, you might as well. No, not oh, yet. Oh, go on. How good would that be on the podcast? You buying a Mastodon live. Well, not live, but obviously on the podcast. <laughs> I can even put in the show notes, Pete has a little surprise at the end or something like that. And just to really piss people off because then they'll have to listen to the whole thing to find out you've just brought a Mastodon. <laughs> Hardly a surprise for anyone, is it? <laughs> a surprise for the wife, which is like that's what that would be. Uh, maybe after payday. Maybe after payday. Oh, come on, that that would be brilliant. Just, I'm I'm trying to find it now. I'm on the Ford Road website. I don't know if this is all coming through when I'm pressing buttons. Yeah, I'll wait till after payday, mate. Oh, you should you should so do that live on air. Live on air, you buy a Mastodon or a Stormbird or something like that. I'm <laughs> a Stormbird. <laughs> Away with you, mate. Away with you. See, oh, I need to get Lee on here. Me and Lee, we're, we're atrocious hey. for going, oh, I wouldn't mind a, a Glaive. I'll tell you what, if you buy a Glaive, I'll buy a Fellblade. You're all right, then. Are we just convinced each other? It was a good job I was single at the time. Bloody. And that, that's what I did say to the wife. I says, you got to remember I was single when I brought all these. So I'm just looking on eBay, just in case. There's one for 126 quid. Yeah, I, reckon that's, I reckon that's a knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no one paying 126 I always, quid. I always look, yeah, yeah, I'm selling my contemptor. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just spray back. Black, I want a... Uh, 40 quid for it and it's like yeah it's probably a fake one though isn't it you're probably making like a 30 pound profit on selling that contemptor yeah and those those who don't know us will know I only ha- have four draw stuff I don't do knockoffs no you're very anti knockoff aren't you yeah I am very anti knockoff <laughs> I mean I'm looking at the Mastodon now and uh, it's got a picture of a normal space marine next to it yeah so good. Just imagine one of them with just full of just staring. Ah, oh, see, I'd maybe do it for the ultramarines. Ah, oh, just imagine that full of your uh, axemen. Oh, cesareans. C- cesareans. That's it. Just imagine them just barging out with a contemptor behind it. How awesome would that look? And Gilliman at the front. It's like. I've just come out of my master's run. And what, bro? Yeah. How awesome would that be? It would look very awesome. Maybe next payday. <laughs> you could you could have a, like a fortress world and just saying they, he needs to break this world to get to soul, you know, the soul system and have it, you've got to charge through. And what, what better way than a master run just to smash through that wall Oh, Gaz. <laughs> this is a rubbish podcast. <laughs> not if you buy a Mastodon, he isn't. I'm not buying one. <laughs> not today. 
not on this cast. Yeah, well, Wes is going to go absolutely ballistic out with Trough Topic reruns. Yeah, uh, he will. Yeah. But I'm amazed. If any, I think I'm going to have to split this podcast. I think it's a bit too long for one. Ah. Uh, shall we wrap it up here? Let's wrap it up. Yeah, while we're totally off subject. <laughs> so, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, I don't know when the next one will be. Probably next week. I don't know how long it'll take for this one to get out. To be honest, I'm in Germany next week. So, how long are you there for? Two weeks. Okay. Well, you. I try it. I can phone in. Mm, yeah, we'll we'll try that. Yeah, we'll try we'll try that bit. But yeah, just so don't, just don't eat your meals. You phone in. Up on <laughs> a gym Off. suit. Put on a gimp suit, yeah. Oh, Wes. <laughs> Wes, Wes, Wes. <laughs> Most amazing man ever. <laughs> but, yeah. So, cheers for joining us, guys. I'm sorry we've totally rambled off subjects all over the place, but that's what the heresy does. We just get too excited and we lose focus on what we're doing. <laughs> and that's why Absolutely. we never complete the mission. It's a good way to end the show. <laughs> okay, guys, you can also catch us on Facebook. You're looking for the Knights Errant. Uh, you can get us on Twitter. Gaz, what's our Twitter account? Lee's actually sorting that out at the moment because we went to register it and someone had claimed our email address. Even oh, though yeah, we put right. forgotten an email that says, oh, well, here, Derek, here's all your stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is, someone's definitely <laughs> nicked our email address as well. So that's, yeah, that's, that's right. in the process of getting sorted. But our email account is knightserran at yahoo.com. So yeah. if you want to email us, that's where you can reach us, uh, knightserran at yahoo.com. And if, it will be in the show notes as well, if yeah. anyone wants to. If for whatever reason you want to talk to a bunch of rapidly approaching <laughs> middle-aged men who hobby rather averagely and ramble and ramble and ramble. And what you need, you need to start saying at the start of every single email is, I really love all the off-subject ram- rambling. <laughs> yeah, that'd be useful. <laughs> I don't like the idea of structure, Wes. <laughs> friend Wes really does <laughs> like structure so yeah once again if you want to get hold of us look for a Knights Errant podcast uh, Facebook page or you can email us at knightserrant at yahoo.com and we do have Instagram which I think it's the Knights Errant podcast so you should be able to find us on there so second goodbye or say so see you later guys remember if it's not heresy that's heresy the wisdom of our times is thus. We know only that we are ignorant. Ignorant of what we have lost. Ignorant of why we fell from the light. Ignorant of what awaits us now among the stars. But what will shedding that cloak of ignorance cost us, I wonder? Upon finding the truth... Will we ascend to Olympian heights of glory or flee in terror back into the shadowed oblivion of a new dark age? Attributed to Duma, the last tyrant of the Pan-Pacific Empire. <laughs>